0: What's going on, everyone, and welcome in to this edition of b Shafe Daily Live. Holy smokes, tonight we're talking about a Cardinals loss. Can you believe it? Seven in a row. Seven losses in a row for the St. Louis Cardinals. So, yeah, things are not getting better yet. And even though there may be some small ways where you can say the Cardinals have made progress in this area or that area over the past few days, the bottom line is they still have not won a game. And I thought the answer that Ali Marmel gave tonight was Obviously, I was not at the game because if I were, I wouldn't be home by now. However, I was watching it on television and I was watching the postgame show there as well. And the response that Ollie gave with regard to Lars Newtbar's double, the ground rule double that would have tied the game. I mean, the runner from first could have walked home if that ball had not hopped over the center field wall. But it did. And so he had to go back to third and the Cardinals strand that runner. They strand the bases loaded a couple of times. And you even get a chance in the ninth, don't you? Paul Goldschmidt with a double to lead things off. They weren't able to move him from that spot. And the Cardinals lose 5-4. The Cardinals have found new ways to lose games, it seems like, in, in virtually every loss of this season. And guess what? There have been 23 of those. We're counting them, yes. The Cardinals are now 10-23. and 23. They've already been the worst team in the National League in terms of their record. And so there's nowhere to go but up from here. But they continue to dig deeper. And I know it's only early May. But the math is going to get very concerning at a certain point. 10-23. I believe the Pirates have been doing them some favors in recent days. I honestly haven't been paying that close of attention because you're not looking at the first-place team when you're the fifth-place team. You're wondering, what about those guys in third and fourth? Maybe Maybe you can catch those. Yeah, right now the Cardinals can forget about first place. They can forget about everything going on. Start with winning a game. That would be the first goal. And they had every opportunity to do it tonight. So we'll talk about the start by Jordan Montgomery. We'll talk about the decision, I'm sure, for Ollie Marmel to remove him after 89 pitches. And he was asked about it game. Whether the answer will satisfy you, I don't know. I assume no. I assume it won't. We'll talk about that, that eighth inning in particular. Maybe a decision that was made in the seventh inning as well uh, when it comes to Andrew Kisner. A lot of people didn't think he should be in the lineup. Ollie Marmel had told the writers this afternoon that his reasoning for having him in the lineup was offensive-related. It wasn't about necessarily his defense. They like him against lefties. They've put him in there against some lefties recently. And tonight, Andrew Kisner did come through with a home run. But that was not enough for the Cardinals as they lose it 5-4. So, I'm not going to do a big, long monologue tonight. I don't think I have it in me emotionally. I mean, that was a grueling game to watch. Again, in the late innings, you just thought every opportunity that was there for the Cardinals surely they will take advantage of one of them, and they—I mean, they di- technically did. <laughs> Lars Núñez tied the game, but he didn't, right? Like the answer from Ollie there in the post game, as I was alluding to, he said that's just about perfect. I'm paraphrasing; I don't remember what he said, but you, if you were watching, you saw it. He he ex- he said that. I mean, that's about what you expect right now for the Cardinals and the way things are going. So they lose again. They lose again. I mean, it is unbelievable. It's uncanny the ways that these losses are piling up for the Cardinals now. And this was one they really could have used. But you know what? Over the last week, they've been having uh, some close games that they really could have used and they haven't gotten one of them. Seven losses in a row for the Cardinals, and they're 10-23. Give it a like. Let's get the likes up to 50. I'm going to take a sip of water, and I will be right into the comments. I'm not even going to say another word unless it's one that y'all typed. I mean, eventually I will. Oh, see, there was one. Okay. Allison says hello. John says this. Hey, Brendan, revisiting the question for now. The seventh game in a row. Is life worth living? Thanks. I'll hang up and listen. Uh, Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. But maybe this would not be the summer to make Cardinals baseball uh, a central tenant of your life because I can't explain it anymore. I really can't. I can't explain it. I don't think Ollie Marmel, if you thought he made a wrong decision, which You're a Cardinals fan, so you probably found fault with something he did tonight or something he didn't do, a switch he didn't make, a guy that was in the lineup that shouldn't have been, a guy that was pulled too early, a guy that was pulled too late. The bottom line for me is if they lose a game, I'm going to be on this stream with a lot of questions about Ollie Marmel and his managerial decisions. That's just a fact right now. I don't know how to describe it to say that it's disproportionate. It's not proportional to reality, I think, the amount of attention we're going to put on each of these decisions. Because if the team was around 500, game above, game below, somewhere in the middle, just getting by, to quote a little Flatland Cavalry. I was at their concert last night. They're fantastic. But if that was the case for this Cardinals team, I don't think we would be hyper-analyzing every decision. Like Part of the nature of baseball fans is looking at what the manager does and being able to play armchair manager be able to do it from your couch to do it on your phone twitter has made that a lot easier to do not only easier to do because we're all doing it anyway over the course of time but it makes it easier to get those views out and it's it's a fun part of baseball and analyzing it and on most days honestly and you're not going to believe me when i tell you this but in in most situations i think ollie marmel enjoys that aspect of baseball because I've been in there for a a number of times after a game, the day after a game maybe, where he's talking about and walking through and breaking down the day before his decision that didn't go well. But in the immediate aftermath of the game, you probably don't see it because it's on TV. He's going to give a pretty terse answer, especially after the run the Cardinals are on right now. And you don't have time for it to breathe. And so people say, well, this guy, he's a dummy. I mean, what is he doing? But, man, it is really easy to find fault with a lot of these decisions when they don't work, right? I had tweeted out kind of in a silly way with a little Tim Robinson gif. Oh, y'all didn't want Andrew Kisner in the lineup Lee he homered. Are you sure about that? He says on the show. And it's a great show, by the way, on Netflix. But that was kind of the way I was looking at it because, man, how many times have we talked about Ollie Marmel this week and and a decision he made that was the wrong one? Or that your perception was it cost them the game. And then there's one that goes, man, everybody said this was wrong. Everybody said, Andrew Kisner again? Really? And he comes up with a home run. Now I know he had a couple of strikeouts thereafter. But to provide one of the Cardinals four runs, I'd say he did his job offensively. And I just wanted to point that out because I know that if and when a loss should arrive, which it did tonight, as it has so many times recently for the Cardinals and throughout this season, the decisions made by the manager are going to be overly scrutinized and i get it to an extent and scrutinizing them is one thing but me and the vitriol is wild right now and you may be listening to this thinking shut up like get on with it i don't i don't need a lecture about how i don't need to to be vitriolic toward the manager right now as a cardinal's fan i get it that's how you feel i get it but this is uncanny and to me unprecedented at this at this point in time the number of, because again, I feel like if you take the bias out of it, your bias is you're a Cardinals fan, and that's fine. It's good. If you weren't, you wouldn't be here listening to me talk. So appreciate that you're here. Almost to 50 likes. Let's get it going. But like if you if you can try and step back for a moment and analyze, if I were watching a game between the Orioles and the Mets right now, would I feel the same way about a decision? Or is it just, man, I'm mad because it didn't work? And if your answer is is consistent no matter what, what the scenario is, then that's fair. And sometimes the is going to make a wrong move. It happens plenty of times. Makes a lot of decisions throughout a game, throughout a week, throughout a season. So it's inevitable that those things are going to happen. But, man, I'm looking at some of this going, how is this Ollie Marmol tonight? I mean, you can make a case that the whole Andrew Kisner thing set them up in the late game to have to pinch hit for him. And then, essentially, you're giving up the DH because you had both of your catchers in the starting lineup And so, when Kisner gets pinch hit for, Contreras has to take that spot behind the plate, and now you've given up the DH in the number three spot in the lineup. So, I get that. They were reluctant, clearly, to do it in the seventh inning when they had an opportunity there. It was a right-on-right matchup. I don't know how I felt about the decision not to do it there, not to pinch hit for Kisner in the seventh against a righty. Against a lefty, they liked him. That's why they started him. But against a righty, you could flip a coin for me. If you didn't like the decision, great. I... I don't have, like, I'm not going to chew you out and say, no, you're wrong, and here's why it was right to keep Kisner in the game. You know, we don't know. We don't know what what would have happened the other way. How about the ninth inning? Or I should say the eighth inning, when Nolan Gorman, who previously was believed to be unavailable for the game, after the game, we find out from Ollie that he knew shortly after batting practice that Gorman could take an at bat. He couldn't play the field, didn't think he was, was up for doing that, but they knew they could get an at bat out of him if they needed one. And so they save him for as late in the game as they can because he's not going to go out in the field. And so you don't want to put yourself in a bind by using him too early. Makes sense. And so they use him in that spot for Tommy Edmond because you're facing a right-handed pitcher. Yes, you needed contact. You needed a ground ball through the infield, really, is all you needed, right, to, to be able to extend the game, get get that tying run in, maybe the go-ahead run to make it 6-5. to five. You didn't need a grand slam out of Nolan Gorman, but Nolan Gorman has been one of the Cardinals' top hitters all season. Even as he's going on a little bit of a slide, the OPS is still over 880 coming into tonight. And so they they shoot their shot with one, with a guy that can do damage in that spot. No, I'm not going to second-guess, Ollie, because Gorman had a back issue. Should they really be letting him hit with the back issue? If you're out there saying that, it's not even on my radar. I don't think it should be on yours either. If a guy... Like, we don't always get reported every injury or every ache, every pain that a player is going through, first of all. This was reported because it was a very prominent thing that happened yesterday when he was removed for Taylor Motter. And so that's why it gets asked, it gets noted on the record, and then it gets followed up on because it's very relevant to what's going on and everybody is aware of it at that point. And so before the game, it was asked about again because as it would be, hey, is Gorman available today? They said, no, probably not. We don't think he will be. But then batting practice happens. The manager gets a different view. He's not going to tweet it out. He's not going to let everybody know, hey, it's different. So you may not have been thinking Gorman in that moment. But when he comes up to bat, to me, what it already signaled is the very simple answer that his back must have felt better. I don't know when it felt better, but clearly it was fine to go. And he, you know, battled for an at-bat, struck out. I thought it was maybe the 2-0 pitch, 1-0 pitch. I can't remember which one. That was the inside pitch he fouled off to the right side. I was thinking, man, they could just use a walk right now. So it's unfortunate he swung at that pitch because it was a foot inside. But you know what? There were no guarantees with that home plate umpire tonight, were there? Junior Valentine, I believe, is who it was. Ollie finally got run in the ninth inning. Joe McEwen got run in the ninth inning. Um, I thought it was bad. You know, I saw I, I saw Jeff Jones had said, um, "If you're looking at baseball savant, it was right on the dot there on the uh, lower part of the strike zone." The overlay on the the TV broadcast said they were low. I saw a lot of screenshots from MLB Game Day that said they were low. I certainly thought watching the game they were low, but you know, we can acknowledge what we don't know and we're not infallible. The camera angle may have played a part. It's hard to say. They certainly looked low, and he was consistent about calling them. Uh, a full baseball's width, I thought below the strike zone. They were considering or I should say consistently getting those calls. And uh eventually all he had to <laughs> had to jump over the railing and get run. I thought he should have been out there with a tape measure, man. I thought he should have got on his hands and knees, covered up the plate with dirt, like made a production out of it. You might as well at this point. I mean, something to something to get it going. But he got thrown out, McEwen got thrown out, Carlson, well, he struck out. And that was that for the Cardinals. But I mean, you could find so many different ways for the Cardinals to have won this game. I get it. Jordan Hicks didn't have a good night. And, uh, you know, he struggled in the previous outing as well when he kind of had to be bailed out there by Helsley. And I understand that that led to, I guess you could say, Gio coming into the game and blowing that other game against the Angels. But at the same time, you could say, well, Helsley should have been in there. He only threw 10 pitches. Like, again, these are the kinds of decisions that inherently there's no right or wrong. Like there's not a, a a green and a red button that's like, yep, he got it right. No, he got it wrong in the moment that it's made. There are variables and you're going to get varying results and you only get one shot at it. You could play out a simulation a thousand times and then you would know, okay, 57% of the time, this would be the way to go. 68% of the time you should do this. You don't get to in real life, you don't get to in real Major League Baseball. And so I think we get caught up in the numbers a lot of times, and we're convinced that one way is the obvious way, when you can have a right process and a wrong result. You can have a wrong process and a right result. Like, those are possible as well. But I think a lot of these decisions recently have been pretty close to 50-50 decisions in a lot of ways. All right, Jordan Montgomery, you didn't like that Ollie took him out of the game after 89 pitches because you look at it and you see 89 pitches – and you're a baseball fan who knows their stuff, and so you know that typically guy's going to get to around 100 pitches before you really start to get antsy about him historically. Nowadays, they look at different things. The Cardinals don't strictly look, and you may not even believe this, but the Cardinals don't strictly look at just, oh, what's the pitch count? That's how I know whether or not I can keep this guy in or I need to go to the bullpen. They look at a variety of things. Stressful innings, up-downs. How many innings did he have? Up-downs is more of a reliever concept. But how many stressful innings did he have where it was above X amount of pitches in that inning, X amount of stressful pitches of the total pitches thrown in that that inning? Like, it goes beyond, I think, what we even realize sometimes, what actually all goes into these decisions. And so, in this case, it was 89. Ollie said post game he thought it was 88. Whatever, it's right around the same. And he said, yeah, you could have sent him back, back out there. And that's exactly the way I feel about it, too. Ollie said, yeah, you could have sent him back out there. But it doesn't mean there was, like, an infallible right and an infallible wrong answer in that moment. And that, I think, we get so caught up in the results and we can forget that at times. Now, to the decision of why he did it, he talked about specific batters in the lineup. The two-hole batter had taken some good swings against Montgomery. We had seen maybe some pitches up in the zone that the Cardinals felt like Montgomery was getting away with a little bit. You're kind of getting into an area where you're creeping into danger and you want to avoid potentially having him run out of gas in the moment where they've got the best part of their lineup coming up or a matchup that they don't think is favorable for Montgomery, and he gives up the game that way. So what do you do as a manager? You say, the guy that's coming in out of the bullpen is fresh. He hasn't thrown a pitch today. His arm is live. His arm is fresh. He should be ready to go. You know, that wasn't the situation ultimately. But that's what your thought process is when you go to your bullpen. Now, Jordan Hicks has been, I thought, I have thought, much improved ever since kind of the come-to-Jesus moment of, hey, you're a low-leverage guy now, which then he immediately turned it back on, pitched really well for a number of days, began pitching in leverage once again about a week ago, and uh, then tonight again didn't have it. Two walks, gives up, ultimately three earned runs, and just one hit, but records a couple of outs, walks as many guys as he records outs on, there you go. I mean, and that wasn't your ball game because the Cardinals offense, again, had the opportunities late and literally converted on several of them, and they still lose the game. It's uncanny. It's it's unbelievable at this point that it keeps happening this many times. But it is, it has, and this is where things are. But if you're looking at the manager, and I know everybody probably is, I'm not disputing that's a brutal loss. I see Kyle say brutal loss yet again. He's right. It's brutal. Ollie Marmol knows it's brutal, man the reaction to the question where he was asked about Lars's double and before the question could even fully get out of the mouth of the reporter he's like yep that's about it right that is about the way things are going the dude could have split the table in half at that moment held back on his anger i get it maybe you wanted him to split the table in half i don't know i just i just don't think there was a ton that all he could have done to change the outcome Yes, he could have gone with something else. You could have not gone to Jordan Hicks. Okay, fine. And you might have so much angst build up that you are saying it in the moment. Before they brought Hicks in, you're thinking, why are they doing that? I'll be real. I wasn't thinking that because you know that it's not going to be Gio or Helsley. That's going to be a little later on in the game. That's like an eighth, ninth inning move. You could have said, well, Drew Verhagen. I mean, pick a guy, pick a righty. You try to stick with it. If they threw a righty out there, there's probably a reason for that. So pick a righty. Did you have an obvious one that you liked better? I don't know. You could probably convince yourself you did. But maybe at some point, it's just like the results on the field, the players that are out there, you've only got so many players, you've only got so many options. And no, and, and I'm not going to say that no matter which option he chose, it would have been wrong, but it kind of does feel that way at times. Like maybe Montgomery would have been the right option for one more inning and then you can just throw... You know some of your more premium relievers. Maybe that would have panned out, but like, do we know for sure? I think I think we get caught in the trap at times of pretending that we do, pretending that we know for sure. And when you've lost six in a row, then seven in a row, it's like, of course. I mean, I've I've got a right to be mad, and you do. Ten and twenty three is abysmal. It's pathetic. Some of the things that happened yesterday were pathetic. Jack Flaherty was as bad as I've ever seen him. I don't think he's ever had a worse start than that. And you can go back through the box score if you want. I don't need to bother. I saw it with my eyes, the number of two-strike pitches that were just absolutely horribly located. Ollie Marmel didn't do that. You want to blame Ollie Marmel for choosing to use Jack Flaherty in the starting rotation? I don't think you do. I think you're smarter than that. You can just look at the number of things that happened, and it's like, my goodness, this guy can't catch a break. This team cannot catch a break. And you make your own breaks sometimes, but Lars Newbar made his own break. He got the big swing. Paul Goldschmidt had another, didn't didn't leave the ballpark. I guess that's what they needed to tie the game, but they still could have found a way to lose it in extras. They needed, honestly, after Goldschmidt, they needed Contreras to Homer or Arenado to Homer. They needed a home run to end the game right there because when they get close to these wins and you get long enough to think about it, it ain't going to happen. Not right now, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. There isn't. You can, you can analyze the hell out of it all you want, but at the end of the day, there are things happening right now that are beyond the scope of my understanding of baseball. And, like, you watch enough baseball and you go, this should probably be the way this goes. You get a little bit of a feeling in your stomach, right? Like, all right, they're about to turn it on. They're about to come back. We've seen this before. It isn't happening that way. Even when it does happen that way, they still don't win. Brennan Donovan had the plate appearance of the night to be able to hang in there with five consecutive foul balls. He comes, you know, comes in and does that, gets first base, only to have them lose it with Gorman there in the next batter. Gorman's been one of your best hitters. I don't have any problem with Nolan Gorman in that spot. Like, I just look at each of these decisions, and I say, even if it was like a 60-40 where he made the bad call, like you can say pretty definitively, yeah, that's a 60-40 call, and he was on the wrong side of it. He was the 60, needed to have sided with the 40. Even if that's true, guys, those margins are incredibly thin. It's not like he's out there with a 90. Find me the 90-10 call from this game that was wrong. The 90% you go, oh, that's wrong for sure. You only have a 10% chance of that working out. Find me that play from this game because I didn't see it. And it's like, quit defending the manager already. Dude, I am. I'm not trying to defend the manager necessarily. I'm just trying to tell you how I see it and you're going to say well you've you've spoken to Ollie Marmel before so you're going to take his side and you're going to dude Ollie Marmol's on y'all's side like he's the manager of your favorite team but i feel like at this point it is so far gone it's so far down the rabbit hole that it's hard to hard to keep all that straight man and here's the other thing like you're going to say well Ollie's got to go after that right i'm like i don't know i'm not going to say that i'm not going to say that he should um i'm going to say that la- yesterday I was getting mentally prepared for it because I thought it was possible. I was like, well, I mean, they had the emotional loss with Geo the night before. You come back out the next day. You gotta be ready to go. You've got your stopper in theory on the mound in Jack Flaherty. You know, you you take an early lead. All right. And then to lose it the way they did, to go down eleven to two after it was two nothing. Jack Flaherty gives up ten. You go. Nine for fourteen as the Angels against Jack Flaherty and the Cardinals starting or the Cardinals pitching that day with two strikes to begin the game. It wasn't the final tally, but at one point it was nine for fourteen. I mean, that's unbelievable. If they're gonna if they're ever gonna make a move, maybe it's yesterday that the move happens. And it didn't. And so I'm thinking maybe there's a reason for that. And there's a lot of ways you can dive into that. We've talked about how well John Mosalak fired the other two guys. Is it even right for him to do it again to the guy that he insisted needed to be the manager 18 months ago instead of the guy who was winning? And, like, I can frame it that way, but it makes it really sound like I'm I'm Team Schilt over all he never should have been the manager. Even though last year, as good as of a manager as I thought Schilt was, and I still think he should be a big league manager somewhere, he should get another shot. But for as good as I thought he was, I saw things last year that I thought, Ollie oh, is maybe even a step better. But they're ten and twenty three, and that's what matters right now. And so people are not in people are not loving that, obviously. But it's tricky, man. It's really tricky because I think what gets lost is like the nuance of it all, and the fact that these margins are so very slim. But when you see just another loss, it doesn't really matter how it came to be. You're gonna want you're gonna want the pitchforks out, and I get that. Um, but it's like I've never seen a situation with a team where for about a week straight, every single little 50-50 ball, every single 60-40 ball, all those close calls, they've all gone wrong, all of them. And I've never seen anything like that before in my life. There are people out there who have seen baseball more, uh, you know, longer than I have. I'm only 28. But uh, I certainly haven't seen anything like it. One more like to get to 60, and then you might as well get it to 69, and then we'll have a really hard time getting it above 69 because everybody will go, ha that's funny. But let's just try. See if we can. All right, back to the comments. Rhino says, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Mike wants to know when you're trading for somebody. I don't think they are because it's May 5th, and that's hard to do. I'll keep bringing up the Willie Adamas trade that happened on May 21st for the Brewers that year. That was the 21st, so at least wait until then to ask me about a trade again because I just don't know. I don't know who you trade. I don't know what you do. People might say, trade Tyler O'Neill. Guess what? He's on the injured list. You You can't use that as the excuse anymore. I just think realistically it's hard to do. Mo had opportunities in the offseason to make a trade, to make a big splash, or to make a—honestly, didn't need a big splash. You needed kind of a moderate-sized trade to be able to reorient the roster a little bit, and they, they couldn't find that deal. Let me say this. They couldn't find fair value on that deal. And there may come a day that we're looking back on the Contreras contract and going, man, they should have just paid what the Athletics wanted for Sean Murphy, who's having a great start to the season. I, I'll admit that. But the Athletics reportedly wanted a lot from the Cardinals in that deal. They wanted the players you didn't want to trade as a Cardinals fan. So, that's hard. Everybody that I've seen say, trade two outfielders for a good starting pitcher. That trade doesn't exist. This isn't MLB the show. You can't say Tyler O'Neill is an overall 74 and Alec Burleson is an overall 72 and we can go get ourselves an overall 77 starting pitcher because of it. That's not how it works. It's really hard to, to admit, but it's not. If that trade was a possibility, it gets made in December. It's already happened. So I get wanting to make a trade. I don't see how it happens in May. And if you get to June with this kind of winning percentage, why bother? That's the hard part about that. Alex uh, says, thanks for doing this when I can. It's appreciated. Alex, I'm glad to be here. And I people might start getting pissed at me because I'm not I'm not going to be the pitchfork guy tonight that I think you all want to hear. But, but take a ride on this game with me and think about the different things that take, took place and tell me how the Cardinals lose that game because I can't explain it. And if this is one out of 162, it is what it is. You go, well, yeah, you're right. I think some fluky things happened tonight and the Cardinals lost. I understand why you're skeptical because I've been telling you that for about five of the last seven losses that some fluky things happened. And so it's hard to believe me anymore. But I'm telling you, if you just isolate it to this game and look at this night, that was whack. The umpire was terrible. <laughs> like, some of those calls, and it, and it went against the Cardinals every time that it could, didn't it? Telling you what, Daniel has, I, I'm going to sarcastically call it a great question, and I don't mean to rip on Daniel, but it's a. It's so common to see how come the STL media is soft and asks weak questions. You get in there, Daniel, and ask him, man. I don't know what you want from him. There's a lot of hard-working reporters, and they do a great job, and they navigate some difficult waters, and there are no more waters difficult than the ones that we're swimming in right now if you're a a member of the media trying to ask a question did you see two three nights ago Ali marmel asked me a question during the post game he said what do you mean by that you want to be on tv and be asked what do you mean by that by the manager and have to come up with your answer like i we're not mortar martyrs it doesn't it's not that hard of a job i'm not i'm not trying to be that guy but come on with the asking weak questions are you there for all the questions that get asked I'm not going to get on the soapbox too often or too long with this, but it's not reality. What you think it is, is not reality. And, Daniel, I appreciate the question. I'm at B. schaefer 12 on Twitter. Send me a DM about it and and expand, expand on that thought. What do you mean by the weak questions? Give me an example. I want to try to work this out with you because I don't really understand. I guess I do understand how that narrative kind of gets spun, but it's really weird to me as someone who – and again, I'm not even always there. I have a radio show from four to six, so I can't go to the the pre games very often during the weekday. So I don't hear them all, but I'm at the, I'm at enough of them to know that they're asked, man. And it's just like I it gets hard to know what y'all want at a certain point from these questions. Like, do you think there's just going to be the magic key that unlocks it? And now it's like, oh, Ollie Marble's flat on his ass. They got him. It doesn't work like that. It's not a TV show. It's not a it's not a movie. It's not a fanfic. I mean, it's real life. They're trying to ask a human being manager who made some decisions that were questionable or otherwise, what his thought process was behind those decisions. The questions get asked. What's the weak question the other night when Daniel Guerrero asked Ollie, hey, you? Yeah, I know y'all don't like to talk about it, but you're 0-10 in the first game of a series this year. How frustrating is that? And Ollie goes, frustrating. And that was the full answer. Is that... Is that what satisfies you? Because that was the question that needed to be asked. Daniel asked it, and he he gets a one-word answer. But that's not. I, I don't. I, I don't understand. I don't understand what makes that a soft question. So maybe there's. And if you're somebody else that kind of feels the way Daniel uh, Daniel G there asked. <laughs> I say Daniel G. There's another Daniel G. But the the one who asked in this chat. If you feel the way he feels, I'm at B Schaefer12 on Twitter for all of you guys, and my DMs are always open. So. Let me know more about that, and I, I'm not saying I'll be able to, to engage with you hours on end about it, but I am kind of curious if I can get to the bottom of it with any of y'all. But I'm going to move on to the next question for the for the moment. Appreciate you, though, Daniel. Adam says, my wife is taking me to Boston next week for your 40th. Uh, have plenty of Sam Adams. Is that what they drink up there, Adam? Sam Adams, just be ready to, to medicate. That's all I'm saying because the Cardinals are playing the Red Sox, and so you may have a rooting interest in that game, and, well, that could be tough. Uh, haven't seen such a long streak of sad negative streams since the 2016 Periscope era. Yeah, John, you've been around a while then because I back in the Periscope days, there were some rough times for sure. Uh, and then I've kind of gotten out of the game, but we're back and better than ever hopefully on YouTube. We're close to 69. You all can make the joke. 69, ha ha, four more likes. Let's get us there and subscribe. That's the main thing. Let's get to 569 subscribers on YouTube and then 669 and 769 if we really want to talk about you know, setting goals for ourselves. Uh, Make sure you're subscribed if you haven't subscribed to the page before. Uh, Childish Scambino says, that's some Baba Billy Howard Stern stuff going on with this team. I'm telling you, there are fans out there who recognize it. I know there are, but I don't, I mean, that's, it's some crazy stuff going on right now. Allison, what do we have to do with Hicks? What is this place going to be coming out of the bullpen? I don't have an answer for that because they've had the come to Jesus moment with him and he's still not, not back. I mean, he was back and now he's kind of regressed again. We've seen Hennessy Cabrera go through periods where he looks lost and now he looks locked back in. They got to get Hicks locked back in. They got to tell him whatever they told him 2 or 3 weeks ago when they figured it out and he was he was on the right path for a little while there and then they put him back into leverage and you know it's it's back all over the place again. I can't explain that either. And number 5712 says that was by far the worst loss all season. Just seems like some divine power doesn't want us to win. Consider the possibility that it's not divine. It might be the the down there one, right? The You talk about the baseball gods. What about the baseball demons? They're having their way right now. Like, if there are baseball demons out there to counteract the baseball gods, like, hypothetical, but stick with me for a moment on this. If those exist, they draw it up exactly, I mean exactly the way it happened tonight for the Cardinals. You have the winning run score. I mean, I'm sure the guy crossed home plate because it was uh, – Two outs, 3-2 pitch for Newpar, I'm pretty sure. So there's no way that guy from first doesn't score. But he has to go back to third on the ground rule double. Probably took off with the pitch and goes back to third. All right, even then you have opportunities after that. All right, fine. You have your guy who's been one of your best hitters, and he's facing a righty. It's a good matchup, and he strikes out. And that was just tough, man. Gorman struck out on, on basically swung through the, the, the same two pitches on the outer half of the strike zone. Those were both in the zone, so good you got to try to attack those pitches. He couldn't come up with the hit. You know, it's going to happen. You're going to hit 300 and still be a pretty good baseball player, but that still means you're going to fail seven times out of ten. So that was one of the fails. But then you get Goldschmidt to double to lead off the ninth inning, and you have him sitting there for the middle of the order coming up, and you can't get it done. Arenado had a couple of hits tonight. So it's not like he's I, he's coming out of it. Like, he's going to be fine. I really I think he's on the way out of it, out of the slump. But they still couldn't score him, couldn't move him off a second base. And the way that it happens in the ninth inning for the called strikes on Arenado, I mean, the first two strikes to Arenado weren't strikes. I don't think they were. You can show me the, the savant for the game day if it's said otherwise. But I was watching it live. I thought those aren't strikes. He's getting boned right now. Then it happens to Carlson, and they 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 run Ollie and Joe McEwing for it. But it was a little bit late by then, man. It's tough. It's tough to explain. I can't explain it, but if the baseball demons are out there, they had their way tonight. Connor said, I have a weird feeling they'll be in the race at the end of the year. Me too. So do I. I don't think I'm allowed to say that, but I still think it. I still think it. Like, you're seeing the talent on display. You're seeing them find every which way to lose a game. Imagine a world where that evens out and they find a way to win games they're not supposed to win. What would that have what would that what would that be like? Maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe it just is too late to materialize and it's not their year. But I I have a hard time saying it's not their year in May. when Even yesterday, when they lose 11-7, like they're in the game, in the game late, they lose by four, but they they mounted a charge offensively. If If your supposed ace doesn't give up 10 runs, you don't lose that game yesterday. He could give up five and you still win the game. And that would be a bad start from your ace. But they, you know what I'm saying? Like, Giovanni Gallegos, I mean, you could you could isolate the performance or the moments of three players from, from the last three games and find a way to basically turn them all into wins. They're all losses. You could find a way to turn them into wins. And that's not how it works. But when it's that close, it tells you that maybe they're not as bad as the record indicates. Maybe they are. I don't know. Again, over the course of 162, Goldsmith said this weeks ago, your record is going to be what you are. You, you won't be able to hide behind bad bounces after 162. But I'm going to say after 33, you can still hide behind bad bounces because they have had more than their fair share, and it's got to even out. There, there ought to be a regression to the mean. I just don't believe that it's going to stay this way all year. But if Gallegos gets his job done, I'm talking two extra outs that game. Get a one-two-three inning, Cardinals win. Yesterday, if Flaherty is horrendous instead of horrendously horrific, Cardinals win. Because 10 runs in two innings, two and a third, is bad. It's worse than bad. But if you would have given up five runs in three innings, you would have still been pissed at the outing. He still would have probably been saying he sucked after the game, which Flaherty did. If you read the quotes, he said, I wasn't pulled because of my ha- my injury because he got hit on the left forearm. He said, I got pulled from the game because I sucked. So he was owning owning the performance. But if it was even just a little bit more, more close to something that could have kept it competitive, Cardinals win that game. And tonight, if Newt Bar's ball doesn't, hop over the wall, I tend to believe, Not, I mean, they would have tied the game there. I tend to believe they find a way to get one more run, probably within that inning. And oh, by the way, Dylan Carlson's double play ball in the eighth, I think that was the eighth, wasn't supposed to happen. He was supposed to have already taken ball four, but that was another horrific call by the umpire. And you can't hide behind bad calls and bad bounces all year. But tonight, I'm going to give him a pass on a lot of those things because if they weren't just on the heels of a, of a seven-game, of a six-game losing streak... I can promise you this. Most people on here tonight would be like, yeah, that's one of those games. That one stings. But, you know, you could point to five or six different things. You're you're you're, you're going to be mad at the umpire tonight, but you're also going to be mad at Ollie Marmel. And I'm saying you should just be mad at the baseball universe because if this was a, you know, if the Cardinals were, I won't even say 23 and 10 instead of 10 and 23, but if the Cardinals were 500 instead of what they are, you're not that worried about this loss. You're really not. But it's hard to isolate it. It's hard to put it in a vacuum when things have been going the way that they are. All right. We're at 69. I want to challenge one of you brave humans to get it to 70 because then the floodgates will open. You guys will keep it riding after that. McCards fan says, keep thinking the climb out of this basement is going to be so awesome, but the hopes are dimming by the day. Yeah. Every day they've had a moment where it's like this is going to be the moment that they take off. This is going to be where they get it done and every day they haven't done it. That's hard, man. That's hard to contend with. We did it. We're over 70. Now, floodgates. If you haven't liked it, now's the time. Subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. You'll never miss one of these videos if you do so. Max, what's going on? Janelle must have missed the seventh trumpet of the apocalypse because it has got to be the end of the world the way the Cardinals are playing. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that, Janelle. Uh, Move the darn runner over with man on second, nobody out. You're right, Bird Calls. They needed to have moved the runner over. They needed to have done it. Absolutely. Not a huge fire Ollie guy, but why did he take Monty out? Just seemed like a risk taken for no reason. That's from Connor. So he was asked about that after the game. And he said, you know, 88 pitches. I think it was actually 89. He said you could have left him in there. They didn't like some of the swings they were seeing some of the batters take, especially one of the guys that was was due up soon against Montgomery. They felt like he was maybe wearing down a little bit, and they were getting away with some things. This is what all he said. This isn't my conjecture. This is what he said. He felt like they were getting away with a few pitches that were left up in the zone, not located quite as well as you want to see. Like, imagine this. Yesterday, Flaherty throws that 76-mile-per-hour that curve, middle-middle, upper half of the zone to Renifo, and he homers to make it 4-2. to two. Imagine he fouls that off, or he pops it up. Would that have made it a good pitch by Jack Flaherty? Absolutely not. It was still the worst pitch of the season. But because the result is what it was, it gets amplified, right? We look at the the result of that pitch and say, that's what makes it a terrible pitch. And it's and it's right. I mean, that's the way the world works. But Ollie's point was there were a few pitches tonight that he thought maybe weren't to that level. But he saw for Montgomery and you say, oh boy, you know, you might have got away with one there. That one was maybe a pitch to drive that they foul off or they pop up or they don't they don't quite get, you know, get good wood on it. But that doesn't make the quality of the pitch any better because of the result favoring the Cardinals in that instance. And so they felt, based on what they had seen, that they were gonna have a moment like that potentially arise there if they left him in for the seventh. We have no idea. We'll never know. Uh, another element that Ollie included in his postgame answer about that question, which I think is relevant. Because sometimes you might ask, and Montgomery may have told the media different. I don't know. I'm not there. But sometimes you might try to take a guy out and he fights it or you get a very specific answer about that. Ollie said that the reaction from Montgomery was he got it. He understood. And so, and that's not to say he didn't fight him on it or anything like that, but I thought that was interesting that Ollie includes that after the game and when he's describing it. I think that's interesting. Because maybe it was one where where Montgomery goes, yeah, I kind of get it. I left a few pitches up. Maybe that was the case. Like I said, I'm not there, so I won't linger on that too long, but kind of interesting to me as well. By the way, and this was asked post-game, evidently the the coaches that remained for the Cardinals that were still eligible to participate in the game were screaming, looking for a uh, review after the game was over on a foul tip that they thought had occurred on the, I guess it would have been the final Carlson swing evidently from Jeff Jones, not a reviewable play. I'm reading his Twitter timeline. So the review that the coaches were asking for at the end of the game was not coming because it's not something that could be reviewed. If that was something you were looking at and wondering about, that's the, uh, the answer on that. Felix says the season is effectively over. I just don't get it. These are the same players. They can't be slumping all at once. And at some point, somebody has to get fired. This can't go on forever. I agree that it can't go on forever. I don't think that automatically having a head roll just because of the, the results are not fun to look at, is right. The Cardinals should be process-oriented about this. People are tired of hearing about the process, though, when you lose seven in a row, when you lose, what has it been, 12 of 14, or is it maybe worse than that by now? I can't keep track. So I get that part of it. Nobody wants to hear about the process right now. But I still feel like the uh, Aldi Warmel, as the leader of that process in the clubhouse, I still feel like he's the right guy. Um, but I get it. This cannot go on forever. You're right about that. Like I said yesterday, it wouldn't have like, if I would have gotten a press release in my email, I would have been like, oh man, this blows because I'm at a concert (laughs) and I don't have any time to do anything about this or talk about it. Um, no, it would have been unfortunate and they didn't do that, which tells me they're not going to overreact to any one game. But your point, if I can make the point of, of many Cardinals fans right now, it would be this. A 10-23 and 23 record isn't just one game. That's a that's a good sample size to go off. Um, and I understand it. I really do get it. And that's why you, you see me maybe even a little more defeated because I'm like, I'm going to sound pretty silly if I keep saying the same thing to these people who are taking the time to watch this stream. But in many ways, I still believe what I'm saying. I mean, not in many ways, in all the ways. I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it. But I also have to acknowledge that I realize, too, that it cannot go on forever this way. Um, But I don't think a managerial change is the right move. Do with that information what you will. I get it if you think I'm dumb for that. Look at tonight and tell me if Lars like if you can boil it down to Lars Newbar's ball just dinks off the top of the wall and comes back into the field of play. Do you still want Ollie Marmel fired? Because of tonight, I'm saying. You may say, no, I want it because of yesterday or because of three days ago. Then that's, you know, I get that part of it. But, like, these individual moments, the quality of the job Ollie Marmol did tonight didn't change because of Lars Nupar's ground rule double hopping over the center field wall. Does that make sense? Like, the quality of his performance as a manager didn't change. I would make the case that, what was it? Tuesday? What's today? Today's Friday. Whatever day it was that Gio blew the game. Ollie's performance didn't change because Gio blew the game. Right? Gio's performance suffered. You know, that wasn't the outing that he wanted for Gio. But I don't think the quality of Ollie's performance changed because of the result of that one player having that happen. You can look at Ollie Marmel from the grand scheme and say his motivation is clearly not there because this team's not winning and they're not performing. And I, you know, there, there might be some merit to that. He's got to find a way to motivate this group. That is his job. He's not just off the hook for everything. He's got to find a way to motivate them to the extent that they win baseball games. That is the job description. In addition to like the tactical side of things. Like he didn't ask Jack Flaherty to give up 10 runs yesterday. He didn't ask Jack to every time he got a hitter into a two strike count, throw a ball over the middle of the plate. The two-strike execution yesterday was just almost incomprehensibly bad. He didn't ask for that. Ollie didn't ask for that. Jack didn't try to do it, to be clear. He, He was upset with the way he performed, I'm sure. The catcher, whether he's calling the pitches, he didn't call for the locations to be what they were. You know, you might say, I don't trust Wilson Contreras as a game caller. Okay, great. Do you think he called 76, curveball, hang it at the top of the zone? If he had, he might as well have gotten out and just set it on a baseball tee, gone into the clubhouse, gone into the cage underneath the dugout and grabbed a tee and set it on there for him. He might as well. Probably would have been tougher to hit out that way because you don't get as much, uh, you know, you got to create all the momentum on that ball, the impact on that ball yourself. No, it's just, it's a lot right now. I get that, but. I don't think these individual performances largely have shown me, yep, Ollie blew this. Now, yesterday with the Modder thing, that was weird. I'll admit that was weird. Uh, but to find out that Gorman was was had to be pulled due to injury, you could make the case that he told Modder they were down by like six runs and then they get the hit from Goldschmidt yesterday to make it a four-run deficit, and now it's a closer game. And at that point, you could say, all right, go to DeYoung, Go, you know, pull Modder back, do something different. I would say I agree. Yes. Now, there was a thought in mind, evidently, that Moder could be the guy to DH today against the lefty. And if that's the state of your roster, I agree. Probably not what you want. If, the, if, he, if he's a heartbeat away for being your DH today, you're like, all right, that's a little bit much for me. You surely have to find a better option off your bench to be able to, but that's the bench is what it is, especially with the O'Neill injury. Now, you know, he's a guy that they'd be comfortable playing against lefties. He's on the I.L. with a back injury. So that's where things are. Evidently, that was maybe part of it yesterday, where if he gets an at-bat there, the consideration for today, it's not to say yesterday's game was over, but it'd be nice to get him in at-bat so he doesn't come in cold today if he's in a DH spot for a full game after not playing for two weeks. Right. So, Again, I don't think it's a great explanation, but I can at least get that. But that's a minor quibble, I think. Largely, some of these big moves that have cost the team games, you can say they cost the team games, the Geo thing. uh, Today with Monty, you could make a case that that was a big, big moment. Whether or not to pinch hit for Kisner in the seventh, whether to pinch hit for Edmund with Gorman when they did, like the different things that take place. I get it, man. I understand that there are thoughts about all of these things, but I just don't think it's as cut and dry as people make it. Maybe that's that's maybe the best takeaway line from this: is the margins are slim, and it's not always. You can't just look at the result and go, "Yep, I knew it." I get it, but it's it's hard not to do that sometimes. But I don't think you're getting the best, uh, the best info, the best results, the most accurate based on doing it that way. Uh, J Rose says long wind. If they want to bail, they'll bail. Yeah. And people will. We're getting, I mean, we're up over 50 minutes. We won't go terribly long tonight because I got a, like a flight that I got to catch early in the morning, but, uh, we'll, we'll get through these comments here. Um, yep. There it goes. The comments are popping off, man. YouTube has to do a better job of, uh, of doing this for me because they just all showed up. I thought I was close to the end. Nope. So I got to speed this up. All right, I just can read what's here. Brendan, he never should have taken Monty out. I said it when it happened. Everyone said it. That's from Preston. That's fine, man. I get it. And Monty didn't get run support again. That's from Laborer88, which is correct as well. Yeah, the, the Montgomery decision, I totally understand. Like I said, like here's the thing. Here's what I know for a fact. If you leave Monty in that game and he gives it up, I promise you it may not be the exact same commenter's but the same number of people would be here saying, how in the hell did Ollie Marmo leave him in as long as he did when it was clear he was losing command? You know, why did he do that? What a terrible manager. I promise you it would be the same. Now, you're going to, in your head, say, well, that never would have happened. Monty would have thrown a scoreless seventh. You go to Helsley, Geo, whatever. You get through the game. You win by one. I mean, that's what would have happened. Great. It's not, though. Like, we don't know. So it's hard, it's hard for me to get behind, yes, this is what would have happened exactly. I like that we can second guess. And I'll tell you when I think there's some merit to it. And with this Monty thing, there is merit to it. Absolutely, it could have been a decision. And typically, for a guy like that, I would say let him go. I probably would have let him go. But I can't turn around and say it's what cost him the game. Because I, again, we don't know. But that gets harder to hear as a Cardinals fan. I respect that about y'all. That gets harder to hear after seven in a row. Absolutely, it does. Give me a like. Give me a uh, sub if you can do so. We're up to 73 likes. It's pretty good. Uh, Michael says that's as painful as going to the dentist with nine cavities. I would say uh, that's price sounds right. Never had that experience exactly, but I, I don't disagree. Lucas, as someone who lives in Knoxville, Knoxville, and has watched UT fans call for coaches' heads year after year. Hell, aren't they the, the team that called for their head before the guy even got officially hired? I believe that happened once at Tennessee. Uh, but he says, ask them how multiple firing coaches worked out. It put them in nearly a, in, in a decade of misery. Yep. Yep. You get a little bit too big for your britches sometimes. Asher says, I was at the game tonight, and honestly, it wouldn't have been. <laughs> got free all-inclusive tickets from my workplace, and the beer was cold, and the food was good. That's all I got. Asher, all-inclusive is awesome at Bush. I haven't done it in a couple of years. Somebody's got to take me. That's what I need. It's just a little expensive. And and most of the time I'm at the ballpark, I'm there for work. And so like if I go with a ticket, go as a spectator, I kinda want it to be inclusive just so that you can you take full advantage. Um, but yeah, those inclusives are cool. If you've never done it, it's worth doing like once a year if you can if you can swing it. It's really fun. Nate, do you think that this organization tries to make players fit into a box? Seeing Walker's Memphis stats hurts. If he's in an OBP guy with some pop, let him be that. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I think they try to Now, think about it this way, though. Everybody's trying to tweak. Everybody always is trying to tweak their game to make it better. But I also think that the organization with Walker specifically, they can see the frame. He's a big guy. He's got a lot of power. He's strong. It's just inherent that you would want to get lift under the baseball to maximize that. That's analytics. That's not a Cardinals thing. That's just the modern game, and I think it's right. I think it's right that you want Jordan Walker to be able to lift the ball more rather than hit into a bunch of ground balls that aren't, you know, that are, that are not going to be as productive. You want him to be not a, not a pop fly power hitter. It's about hitting line drives, but you got to get the ball in the air to hit a line drive. So I get the question, Nate. That's more of a philosophical question that I think we could spend a lot of time on. Um, But for tonight, I want to just kind of leave it at that. I get it. But again, his Memphis stats, it's only been about a week. Give him some time as he's working through some changes with the swing. Um, Remember they, they, sat him in St. Louis when they were out in San Francisco for a th- couple days before they even optioned him. And he was kind of working through things then behind the scenes. The good thing about going down to Memphis is you really can just do it in game because it's not like it matters if you strike out a bunch. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't stress over his stats right now. Um, I, he's 20 years old. He's going to figure it out. Going to a game right now just feels like a tense and unpleasant experience sitting around and waiting for something to go wrong. That's from J.K.H.J.K. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of what it's like, actually. And it's kind of the way the team is performing. Ollie was asked about it the other night, the notion of, like, as you get closer to ending a game, when y'all are going well, it's like the momentum builds in your favor. And right now it's the opposite. It's like you dread getting into those late innings with a lead because you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And every single time this week, the shoe has dropped on the Cardinals. It's been more like a just a massive boot slamming into their head, curb-stomping them into oblivion. Uh, but it's, it is dropped, for sure. Monty should have been able to go seven tonight. I, I get it, and he probably would have been. But the, they made another decision, and I get it. I hear you. Uh, and what is it with this team with runners in scoring position? Yep, that's been bad. It's been bad. And, I mean, right now you can even look at their overall offensive numbers and say, well, overall their offensive stats aren't that great. So it's one of those deals where is it that much of an outlier to see their risk numbers be bad. Because maybe just overall as an offense, their numbers are mediocre. I mean, they're 13th in the league now in OPS, which is still top half. I believe this is updated after tonight because I'm using MLB.com here. I think they update instantly. But they're 19th in runs scored. And that's in 33 games. So they've got teams above them who have played fewer games. And they've got teams right behind them who have played fewer games. So they're about the, you know, the 20th to 21st most productive run scoring team in baseball right now, and their OPS is better than that. So it is still the case that they're worse with risk than in general, and it should even out over the course of a season, but there are years where it doesn't. Remember, I want to say 2013 maybe, there or 2015 might have been it, there was a year where they were just animals with runners in scoring position. Sometimes you're, you maybe got to pay that debt off, and it feels like the Cardinals might be doing that, at least so far this year. Rob has joined the show. It says Rob Thompson, Mike Shilt, Year One, Bob Melvin, Jack McKeon, Brian Snicker. Interim managers can lead to a spark. Ollie is awful in this role. There's no way around it. I respect Rob's opinion. I don't agree with it in this instance. And yeah, it may be me going down with the ship at this point because there are so many things stacking up against Ollie Marmol right now. And I think. When you go through a seven game losing streak and you go through a stretch of, you know, 12 of 14, whatever that's been, 10 of 33, those are, you only get 10 wins in 33 games. You're 10 of 23 to begin the season. That's when you, all your warts are going to be showing, right? That's when you're going to be looking at your worst. What does Ollie Marmel do in those moments? Um, Yeah, I hear you, man. I totally hear you. They're, you're not alone either. I'm going to be on this island, I think. And I can't say that, like, again, I want to I want to kind of highlight the individual decisions, but maybe for you, like you said, Rob, you know, if he's bad in the role, it might not just be about the tactical decisions. There are some other aspects for this. And he. he this is an undisputable fact. He's got to be able to fix it behind the scenes, motivation-wise, all of those things. He is responsible for that. He's got to be able to fix that. Michael says, did anyone miss Tyler O'Neill? I mean, again, tonight, I don't think that he makes a difference. Like, I mean, Tyler's numbers weren't good. I'm not wishing an injury upon a guy um, by any means, especially a guy like him who who grinds and, and has been dealing with injuries a lot in his career. He's got a 620 OPS, though, guys. I can only look at the numbers at a certain point. And, you know, you might say, well, hey, look at the numbers with Dylan Carlson. His numbers are bad, too. I would make the case that Tyler has gotten, to, to begin this year, a lot of run. He's been given a lot of latitude, a lot of leeway, got the center field position that he asked for, uh, was was given every opportunity, and still didn't really take it and run with it. We're still chasing that 2021 performance from him. It, you know, It just may be that that's kind of a thing of the past right now. Catch that lightning in a bottle again, and we'll talk, but not to diminish a guy that's going on the injured list, but I think right now it's almost fine to see the Cardinals almost forced to run with the guys that they've got healthy and let this group kind of make it make it happen. Padres says, hope he's fired before the Cubs series. Got to start with a fresh vibe. I get it. I don't think he's getting fired because if he were, I think it would have happened last night, honestly. Um, but I can't say that yet because they haven't been swept by the, the Detroit Tigers yet. And if they end up getting swept, I mean, if they lose to Spencer Turnbull tomorrow, that's a nightmare you have to score eight runs against him. And maybe the Cardinals know that, and that's why they haven't been able to do it against those types of pitchers. It's why they didn't score eight against Matt Boyd tonight. I thought you should. His ERA was almost six. It's a lefty. You guys kill lefties. Make it happen. Hit with runners in scoring position, they probably do score eight. But it's one of those deals where they know so much how badly they need to score eight they're pressing. They're obviously pressing. It is it is Ollie's job to get him not to. It's Ollie's job to get the most out of him. I don't know how you go about doing that with a group that is in the spot the Cardinals are in right now. It is tough. Uh, how much you want to bet he won't last the season? You guys go ahead and have that bet. I don't know if he'll last the season. I don't know. It feels like one of those things that he either will because things turn around here soon or things don't turn around and then it's a legit conversation. Every game this year's pain always so close. It is close. That's what that's what makes it extra tough. Uh I know you're on a burner. Follow me on Twitter. I'll bet you. It sounds like we got a bet going on in the comments section. Ollie will get fired at season's end when the Cardinals finish with a seventy wins. Rob, I disagree with that too. I think he'll be fired before that if, if that's the trajectory post you know, June. Um, but we'll see. I mean, a seventy win season would be so hard to imagine. In St. Louis, but at the same time, we're not that far away. I mean, you might be thinking 70 wins, hot dog. That's a bunch. I think they're gonna end with ten. And I would say, well, you might be right. <laughs> because I just it's so hard right now to watch them to watch them go the way they're going. J. Rowe says he may not, but right now he's not making moves that are his fault and mismanaging. Easy to look back after and blame him. Fact is the guys aren't producing, and Asher loves Uh, Daddy Padre on 590. Is Padre on 590? I didn't even know that. You were asking me about about some stuff earlier today. I didn't know you were on uh, with the station now. You got to talk to me about that. Number four, number four, uh, why can't I talk? Number four hitter has been a disaster most of the year. Yes, Arenado has struggled. I think he's starting to come out of it, though, which uh, he looked to me looked pretty good tonight, but obviously had an opportunity there late to come through and didn't. But I also thought he was he was put into a terrible spot by HPU in that at-bat. Uh, he should have gone crazy, said Felix. Yeah, he could have thrown some dirt on the plate. He could have done a snow angel. He could have taken his shirt off. I mean, again, don't want a guy to be disingenuous. I'm mostly being facetious right now. But you just feel like they need something to spark him. If the Cardinals are 20 games under at the break, who do they trade away? That's soggy. Here's my thing. We'll have so many more days before the break to actually have that conversation before it takes place that I'm okay not discussing it tonight. It's going to depend who's healthy and productive. But I would also say if you're really selling Jack Flaherty, Jordan Montgomery, you're looking at the pitchers on on no contract who have value, the, those guys could both have value to contenders. But I don't want to go into it any deeper than that because – The Cardinals aren't in that spot yet, and it it could be its own show by the time they do get into that spot. One more like to get to 80. You guys can do this. One more like. There it is. Preach, But keep going. If you haven't liked it, it's your turn. You're next. What's 81? Let's get to 81. What's that, uh, Torrey Holt? Get to 81. We we can do that. Uh, Mo will never get fired this year. Agreed. Agreed with that. They did just extend him. Now, remember, 2025 is when that contract goes through for Mosealoc, my prediction all along, and it's not like this is like some savant stuff. But if you watch the presser back in February, he said they will begin to delegate responsibilities toward the end of that contract. So to me, that means even as early as 2024, the plan would have been to have some other guys take some of the the the, the, the workload off the plate of Mo and begin to delegate a little bit more, which they do already, but even to a greater extent. As they work toward a transition of power. Now that transition could be expedited if they lose 100 games this year, or if they even get to a spot where it looks like they're going to have that losing season that everybody dreads. It's definitely possible that that could happen sooner. But Mo being fired and Mo being sort of on board with a a reduction in role those are two different those are two different paths. One has a pitchfork involved, and you're going to be disappointed because that's not happening. You're disappointed if you're calling for it, I should say. And the other one is is a more reasonable transition of power that could just be expedited by the way things are going. It was going to happen anyway, but it could be expedited uh, with, with the path of the season. And ownership loves them. That's exactly right. Uh, Labor says Tigers hit two oh one on the road this year, so they came in and scored five runs. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I mean, y- you would have liked to have been able to shut them down with, with one of your top pitchers on the mound tonight. Didn't really do it. So that's tough. Mentally, uh, for Hicks, it's been a problem in tight games," said Connor. "Yeah, I mean he's done well in some of them, though, right? But tonight it wasn't one of those cases. Uh, you think Ollie's a puppet, just like Shilt was, and as soon as Shilt bucked the trend, he was fired. I don't know. I mean, I I know that that's an opinion of the fan base. I don't. We don't know exactly what went into the firing of Shilt, but we know that it was philosophical differences. Um and no, I don't think the philosophy was Schilt wanted to win games and Mo said not to. Uh, that's kind of the way things are going this year. But but no, I think I think it's so much deeper than that, Padre, that I it, it's hard to really even refute because it, I'm, I'm an hour six into this thing and I just don't have time. But I don't agree with your assessment, respectfully. Taylor says that Hicks has gotten rattled easily. Yeah, he has. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Uh, front office analytics, run the team. I mean, the manager makes the lineup in, in the, the bullpen decisions, but it's in conjunction with the analytics, I think is the way to, that I would describe it. Uh, Asher, not a fan of Hicks. If they've been close to 50-50 decisions, when does Ollie get a, a held accountable for whiffing 80% of the time on those decisions? Well, that's the thing, Rob. It's That's a fair question, but does he whiff on the decision because the result went against him? You're a sports betting guy. You know that sometimes you can have right process, wrong result. And that doesn't make it a wrong play. Now, you're not going to make it very far in that business or any industry by losing 80%. And so that's a fair point. Over the course of 162 games, I would say, yeah, you're not going to run bad. Like, that's not going to be a thing that happens to you over the course of six months. You can't run bad for that long. It's your fault at that point. But you can run bad over a month. I think you can run bad over the course of a month and sometimes you don't really know necessarily the decisions that aren't 50, 50, right? Like this one was obvious and I nailed it. Okay, great. This one was 50, 50, like the next 10 of them were 50, 50 and I got eight of them wrong. Yeah. The odds are against it happening, but you also have to compare that to the other five decisions that you had an edge on. And if you made those wrong, then you've got problems. But my point is I almost think the sample has got to be larger it just feels like right now that it doesn't because they have just piled up in an ungodly amount of losses in such a short period of time that it feels like, well, it's got to be the manager getting them wrong. He's gotten some things wrong, but I also think, I mean, Mike Matheny won a lot of games in St. Louis for several years. I'm telling you, he got a lot of things wrong even as he was doing that. I don't think that the 33 games we've seen and the number of decisions, and there, there have been hundreds that you could probably point to and say, "All right, this was right, this was wrong." There might be more wrongs than rights right now, and there probably are. But it's hard for me to say, "Well, that is evidence that he's bad at the job," because last year I thought he pulled a lot of good strings, he pressed a lot of right buttons, and they're 33 games into a season, and that's a you know a fifth of the season. That's a problem to be where they are. It's dire. And so if I sound like a guy that says it's not as bad as it seems, that's not what I intend to articulate because I said on the radio Tuesday before game one of the series against the uh, the Angels that you're at DEFCON 1. You are as – it's as dire as it gets, and that was four days ago, and they haven't won since. So I'm with you on the urgency. The front office needs to show urgency. If they can make a trade in May, they should be doing that, even if it's just to prove a point, you know about the shakeup is real, nobody's job is safe, whatever. Go WWE on it. Like, make a story out of it. I don't care. They got to do something. I just think those trades are hard to come by. But I get it. I would say he's held accountable every night, though, for the decisions because they ask him about him. You don't always have to accept his answer as fact, but there are a lot of times where I hear an answer and I'm like, yeah, I can see that side of it too. But we wouldn't be focusing on it in such a hyper-specific way if it weren't for the fact that, When he gets a decision wrong or when he gets a decision made, it turns wrong on him. Maybe sometimes through no fault of his own. Other times it it could be his fault, but it's happening at an alarming rate to where it could just be alarmingly bad decisions. But I think if we're looking at these and saying they are 50, 50 balls, it's hard for me to say it's this guy's fault for getting the 50, 50 balls wrong. 80% of the time. It's tough, man. I hear it. I hear it coming out of my mouth and I hear how it sounds. I Absolutely. Like, this is unprecedented. I won't pretend that it's, like, regular what's going on right now. It's not. Preston says if they were looking at stressful innings, he hadn't had one since the second. Should have been left in. It's obvious. Again, I, Preston, I, I hear you on Monty. Like, and if that's the whole thing for the game for you, then that's fine. Rob's right about one thing. Like, you can't just be wrong every time. You can't just continue to lose these games indefinitely. So I get it. Asher says that all he watched Moneyball many, uh, too many times. Thinks analytic can run the whole game. Uh, I'm telling you what, front offices across baseball feel the same way. It's It's gone so far beyond Moneyball at this point. So I get why that's kind of our, our narrow view of looking at it, but I feel you. Joe says, Monty is your ace, your dog. You leave him in there and you have to have somebody lose in the bullpen. It's maddening to watch. Like, that's fair. Like I said, I probably would have. If it's 80, 89 pitches, I'd probably let him go again but have somebody warming alongside him just in case it goes south. But then, you know what's going to happen is whoever they bring in, well, you can't bring that guy in for inherited runners. Like, you know he can't pitch with inherited runners. It wouldn't have mattered who he brought in at that point. Let's say Monty lets the two, first two guys on or even one guy on. What would happen then is people would be complaining about which reliever came in because Hicks can't do inherited runners. Geo the other night, you know, pitched bad, so it shouldn't be Geo. You know, it would have been one of those deals. And there's no easy way to answer that. They don't have a fireman right now. That is a problem. There have been years where they've been bailed out by the fireman reliever that can just come in and clean up somebody else's mess. They don't have that guy. That's something that maybe doesn't get talked about enough. Helsley was rolling against the Angels, takes him out for Gio because of numbers, and he was shelled. Monty, five scoreless in a row today, low pitch count, puts in Hicks, shelled. Yep. Oh, I hear you. I mean, those are two specific ones this week that were wrong. How is he not being held accountable here for making winning decisions? That's it's fair. I get it. Those decisions went against him. You can look at each of them. The Monty one, you know, this just happened, and we've talked a lot about it tonight, and I understand that it might have been the wrong decision. I don't think we just know, though. Again, we say he was rolling with what they saw, and I don't want to just cape for what they said they saw. A lot of people saw something differently and said he should have stayed in there. But with what they saw, they're thinking that next inning might be the one that gets him into trouble. But I think another fair criticism of the decision is that, okay, you say you inherently trust Hicks. Like, a lot of the quotes from Ollie about this have been, well, this is the way we feel. And so then when you go to Hicks, Helsley, Geo, like, we trust those guys to close the game. Maybe that's the problem. But you have to be able to trust your bullpen as a manager. You can't manage without trusting your bullpen. It does become John Moselleck's job to get him different relievers if he doesn't trust the guys he's got, or if it becomes clear those guys can't do the job, then that's part of it on the front office as well. But if right now you're going through a, a spell where you think, I can't bring anybody into this game because they're going to blow it, let's let's ride the guy who hasn't done so yet, sink or swim with him. That would probably be my inclination too, but the recency of the struggles of the bullpen actually does play into that a little bit. And so I get it now with Helsley the other night, again, the things that we don't really get to know is any conversation he may have had with Helsley about it, whether there was one, but we do know the history of how often they bring him in, sit him down, put him back in for another inning, sit him back down and then bring him out for a third time. It's been rare and probably not something they want to do early in the season. But I can also understand screw that. They don't have a choice. I can understand that side of it, and those are two decisions that did cost them this week. No doubt about it. Do those two decisions get him fired? I don't know. We'll find out, I guess. We will find out, man. But, again, a manager can be forced to make those kinds of calls, have them go wrong, have them go right, even if it was the wrong call, and then it's it's not as scrutinized as the scrutiny he's receiving for every little choice right now. And so that is what makes it tricky. What also makes it tricky is again, I don't think as a Cardinals fan, if you're stumping for Ollie to be fired, do you want Mo to hire the next one because he's done it now it'll be a you know a third time that a manager will have been fired in 5 years and do you have more faith that the next guy is it just you want ahead do you trust they'll be able to hire the right guy next? I, that's a tricky one for me too. But he should be held accountable, Rob. He should be held accountable for, for making winning decisions. That is the that is the job description, and it's been tough. Ryan back on the media is so soft. Great. Then don't watch. I don't know. Adam says I look cute, which is that, you know, I needed that boost of confidence. I really did right now. Getting shelled in here. Getting shelled more than the bullpen. By the way, I think my the tweet of my career was sent earlier tonight before I headed to a uh, Mexican restaurant for Cinco de Mayo told my wife. She was already there. I was meeting her there after the radio show. I said, I texted her, feel free to order a pitcher. And you know the handshake emoji tweet, that format? I was like, this is a banger. And so I put that out there. Things I tell my wife on Cinco de Mayo, shaking hands with, Cardinals fans telling Mo Zaloc, feel free to order a pitcher. I will never send a better tweet than that. I was proud of that one. Uh... Daddy Padre, if you're asking me. Oh, no, you're still trying to bet somebody. Three for 13 with Risp. Gallego's unable to pick up Hicks. Team always bringing in the pain, finding every possible way to raise hope and then fail it again. Yeah, Chris, I think you you pretty much nailed it. Like, the three for 13 is not abysmal, but it's not great. You needed four for 13 tonight to be able to make it happen. Uh, Bird Calls wants me to stop the PR work for Ollie. Yep, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I know that's what, the way some people are going to view it. I got to be true to the way I feel about it, though. I'm not, you know. I'm going to try to be legit about it. If you think I'm wrong, you think I'm wrong. Uh, Ollie loses 23 games. Clown, clown, clown. All your mama didn't do that, though. Pathetic. If you think it's pathetic, Asher, I mean, don't watch. No one's making you. When the guy on the bump is rolling with a low pitch count, you're consistently taking that guy out because of analytics you're overmanaging. Can't keep whiffing on these 50-50 calls and just say, oh, well, it was a coin flip. You're right. I admit, you got to get those calls right. I agree that he's overmanaging at times. He's pressing. The players are pressing. He's pressing. And they need a break to go their way. Managers worth having don't go 10-23 with this type of talent, period. No more excuses for the results. Yeah, they might fire him at some point, Luke. I get it. Uh, N. Taylor says they're the least clutch team of all time. They've had maybe the least clutch month of all time by a, a lineup that should be much more competitive. I'll agree with that. Padre, I, I'll be honest with you and j Row. I'm just skipping through comments because y'all are talking to each other. So I feel you, though. Get, settle it outside of here. Uh, 110 lost season. We'll see. Uh, Rob says, not a single good manager in baseball who would be 10-23 with a roster loaded with this much talent. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Greg wonders why Hicks in the seventh. It's because he's, that's his spot. Like, you can go through the bullpen, and it's not going to be Helsley yet. It's not going to be Geo yet. Verhagen would have been another guy. James Nail is out here, but you don't want that. He just He just came up uh, today. And so, I mean, Hicks, Hicks is your guy for the seventh. Maybe they need a different guy for the seventh. I'll acknowledge that. And again, if you think you don't have the guy for the seventh that can be trusted, you can't pull Montgomery there. That's completely true, right? Like there's the accountability for the decision. You've got to know the personnel. You can't manage scared, but at the same time it does begin to feel a little bit repetitive. If, Hicks is your guy for that spot, and you've seen him fail a number of times. The problem is, you look at the last couple of weeks, he hasn't really failed in the way that he had been previously. He seemed to have fixed it. But his last outing, he walked a couple of guys, and that was the game that Helsley came in in the in the, uh, the seventh to bail him out. And then the snowball effect of that was that Helsley wasn't available for the ninth. So you could make a case that Hicks tonight cost the Cardinals clearly. He also did on Tuesday or whatever day that was that Geo blew the game. So... Yeah, I would say they have a Jordan Hicks problem at this point. They do. They absolutely do. Ollie walked out there in the ninth to argue the strikes and got canned. You think he's not wanting this and uh, for a better result? Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody questions he wants the results, but Rob's right that he's got to make better decisions. Uh, Jake says they won't fire him before the Wainwrights start, and I agree with that. He's not fired tonight. Uh, I would be pretty shocked by that. The Cardinals at all times should have a top-ten manager in the league uh, because, I mean, they are that kind of franchise. This is a baseball city and deserves the absolute best, and I agree with that. The Cardinals, but here's my thing, Rob. Again, what did you think of Mike Schilt? Because John Mosellock took that guy who had a winning season, a couple of them in a row, and said, not good enough. We need to make a change now. That decision is a bold one. It looked good at the beginning, but Ollie didn't face a lot of adversity last year. Ollie had a Yadier Molina in that clubhouse last year, although sometimes he was in Puerto Rico. But he was still on the team for a large part of the season. And he had Albert Pujols fall into his lap, which he helped recruit him and get him here. But that is a leadership you know, bonanza that you, just, that you fall into and you're happy to have. But it helped probably the, the learning curve for a rookie manager to where if there was adversity, right, he had so many resources to fall back on. Skip Schumacher, I think, was a really good bench coach, which is not to say that Joe McEwing is not. But he was such a good bench coach that he immediately got hired by the Marlins to to run their team so he had that as a as a uh an asset at his exposure right so you can make that case that Ollie was was destined to succeed last year in this year not that he's destined to fail but destined to show what he's made of and right now it's on him to be able to fix it no doubt but part of this rob and, and to others who are questioning me kind of right now I keep living in this world where I think they're going to turn it around every day I wake up and I go, all right, for sure, they're going to be fine today. And then they do play pretty well, and then once again, it's a very slim, razor-thin margin that costs them. And you might say, yeah, the manager is that margin, and that's why they're losing an edge on it. And you might be right. And it's hard for me to just sit here and say, no, I think you're not. But I do have a, I do have a difference of opinion on it still. But I can look at it today and say, yeah, like Montgomery, 89 pitches. Just, you know, I'm not caping for that decision. Like I had said, I think I would have done it different, especially with the context of, hey, maybe Hicks didn't cost you the game on Tuesday with his performance because Helsley bailed him out. But the the trickle-down effect of that was you didn't feel confident enough in Helsley's role for the ninth because he had to be used in the seventh. He couldn't just go eighth, ninth, and out. He had to be used in the seventh, which means an extra up down if you're going to throw him in the ninth, and that's that you can trace that back to Jordan Hicks. So that's to me, that's all his biggest failure tonight is not anticipating Jordan Hicks being, you know, a problem again. When he walked a couple of guys in Tuesday's game, and that sort of is what led to needing Geo in that game, and that's a problem. Now, what does Mosley like to do about that? Is the final straw on Jordan Hicks tonight, and you DFA him? I don't think so. I don't think that's the answer. But it's like they haven't been reliable in any one area. Or if they're reliable in two ways tonight, they're not going to be in the third way, and that's been every single day. But it's been it's changes every day which area they're unreliable in. And so if you if you had the wherewithal to anticipate that tonight would be a bullpen night, that it would be the bullpen that would screw you, then yeah, you leave your starter in until the wheels fall off, I guess. But there have been other nights where the bullpen's been good and they haven't had to treat it that way. And so I think you overmanage, you're in your head about it. Ollie has said repeatedly, this was before the bad stretch. But he had talked to us writers about the fact that you can't manage wondering what so and so on Twitter is saying about your managing. You can't look at that stuff in his in his position is the way he is the way he phrased it, which made sense to me. But at this point. He doesn't have to look at Twitter to know that he is getting snake bit on every single decision he makes. And so you can't lose confidence in your ability to make decisions if you're in that chair. Now, I don't know if he's lost confidence or not. You, you could ask him. He wouldn't tell you, I'm sure. If the, even if the answer was yes, he wouldn't say, yep, I don't have confidence in myself because that's the manager you fired today. You just do at that point. I don't, I'm don't. i saying I don't know that that's what it is for Ali Marmo right now, but I'm saying it can be difficult when you just feel like and, again, I'll compare it back to sports betting. I know I'm kind of talking directly to Rob here, but he's he's got good insight, and I know he knows his stuff. But, like, if you can know you're in the right process, but you might be in the worst run of your life on, on maybe a better or whatever going the wrong way, how hard is that to remain convicted? And, yes, my process is right. And you might do that for a few days. You might do that for a week and go, man, this week has just been unbelievably bad. Probably the answer is, well, it just turns around eventually. It has to because my process is sound. The Cardinals think their process is sound. Time is going to tell whether it turns around or not, and if it doesn't, that would be an indictment of the process, absolutely, and it would be unavoidable. There are a lot of Cardinals fans who are already at that point, and I can't blame them for being there. I'm not trying to diminish your guys' views, but since I'm, I'm sitting here and we're talking about it, I'll tell you what mine are too. Uh, let's see. Jacob, how long does the losing streak have to get before people who want to keep Ollie admit he needs to go? By the logic of the pro Ollie crowd, a coach should never be fired because it's always the player's fault. It's an interesting question, Jacob, and I feel like you you framed it pretty respectfully. Um like I I said before the week, I don't know how you can get swept by the Tigers and have a manager keep his job, lose 9 in a row. Like I don't know how you could do it. He could be the best manager in the world. He could be he could be a Hall of Famer. Hall of fame managers have been fired before. So I don't think you can get swept by the Tigers. That being said, you watch how each game plays out, and I think that does play a role in it. I think the the front office's damn reluctance to have to to bite that bullet would play a role in it, believe me. It's going to be freaking embarrassing if they have to because the moment they fire Ollie, you can say, all right, Ollie got fired, and that's what needed to happen if that's the way you felt. But that attention, those arrows have to go right to John Mosellock because he built this thing. You might say, you know, this roster is too talented to be 10-23, and 23, and it is. But it's got a lot of flaws, man. It's got a lot of players who are are solid, fine players. But the, the number of difference makers, and y'all said this all offseason that they don't have a difference maker in the rotation. And so far, it looks true. They've got some good pitchers. Flaherty's a good pitcher who can have a bad day. Montgomery's a good pitcher. I don't think either of them are playing like an ace right now. Certainly Flaherty, not after yesterday. So that high end guy in each position, like they thought in the offensive world, it was Arenado and Goldsmith. Goldsmith's done it. Arenado has not done it this year. And so you can chalk up, I don't know, pick a percentage, forty percent, a, a ridiculously big number of the Cardinals failures, I think, this season, to be ten and twenty three instead of seventeen and sixteen. No legit number one. In the rotation, Arenado playing below replacement level offensively. Those two things are killing him. But like I said, with Arenado, I think he's coming out of it a little bit. I thought the rotation was coming out of it, but then Jack Flaherty gave up 10. So what do I know? Because I didn't see that coming yesterday. Didn't see it coming. Uh, no manager can handle this mess. That's the other side of it, Michael. Like they could fire Ollie and the next guy that comes in, you know, what's it going to be? Stubby clap, Joe McEwing. I have no idea where, they'll, where they would go with that. But is it just automatically going to get fixed? Is it the breath of fresh air that we all think the clubhouse needs so that they can get luckier? Like, they've had some very bad luck. But I can't chalk it up to only luck. As I've said all the, all this way through, they've also created a lot of their bad luck in previous games. Today, I don't know that they did a ton of that. I think they got kind of screwed today. But other games, even this week, you can look at it and say, well, they, I mean, you can't be doing that. Jack Flaherty, can't give up 10 runs. That's a mess. That's bad. Totally get it. But yeah, I do tend to think that some of the things that have happened to the Cardinals this year are not all Ollie things. But In it, Anon asks a great question. What's with all the two-strike home runs? That's not an Ollie thing, but it might be a Dusty Blake thing. Like, if you're the pitching coach, you got to be responsible for what's going on. The players are responsible for it because they're throwing some bad pitches with two strikes. The execution has been horrendous. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know what those conversations are behind the scenes to know how they're working on it. But the two-strike stuff is madness, man. That that gets pitching coaches fired, and they just hired this one. So that's tough. Yeah, it's a problem. It's one of their biggest problems on this team. Can we talk about the umps? But Lang was throwing uh, nasty wiffle balls. Yeah, I mean, he has a good arm. Has a good, good, uh, good breaking ball for sure. Uh, the Cards were never 13 games under in Yachty's entire career. Just how much of an impact did he have on the team? Feel like he was the rock. That edge everything stemmed from. That's from Drew. And I saw this AJ Presinsky has a podcast, you know, a former Cardinals catcher. I don't know the name of the podcast, but I saw it flash across my my timeline today on Twitter. And he basically regaled a uh, a time that you know, to to show the influence of Yadier Molina. He said I've never seen a player a player run an organization. Run an organization was his quote. The way that Yadier Molina did in St. Louis. And he said there was a time when Yadi wasn't even on the active roster. He was on the IL. And Mike Matheny as manager comes over and says, Hey, should we take the pitcher out? And Yachty says, I don't know. Why don't you ask the catcher? He's sitting right there. AJ's like, I was the catcher. And the manager's asking this dude on the IL what they should do. Like he's the he's a pitching coach. He's the cat. Yes, he had a humongous influence and we shouldn't ignore it. Um I don't know if it's if it's fair to denigrate, you know, Contreras as the replacement, but it, those are hard shoes to fill. And certainly I think that is a combination. Like, okay, even if Ollie Marmel was a good manager last year, he had a lot of those resources to lean on, and now he doesn't. It's like they pull the rug out completely at once, and you you sprinkle some adversity into the beginning of the season, and then you see how he handles it. Well, it hasn't been good. It hasn't been good. I'm not going to say that you're des- you're setting a guy up to fail with that, but it's almost like, man, that's that's a tough that's a tough world to live in when. You go from, I've got Albert to lean on. Yachty is going to have his guiding, you know, the invisible hand over the clubhouse. Skip Schumacher, my confidant I trust. It's not to say he doesn't trust Joe McEwing, but he didn't handpick Joe McEwing. He handpicked Matt Holliday. Matt Holliday accepted the job and then said, never mind, like a few weeks before spring training. That sucks. So you already had that adversity. But all that to say, he does not have the resources that he had last year. And so that may have masked some of his deficiencies as a rookie manager if he had any. It was very easy to kind of gloss over. They don't have that. And you factor in the fact that Yachty was not only sort of a player coach, but also specific to the pitching staff, was able to you know help guide that group to get the most out of them. And you add in the fact that there's a shift ban now, and this is the most pitch-to-contact pitching staff that exists in baseball, one of the lowest – K's per nine in baseball. They came into spring going, we got to address that and fix it. It hasn't really had an impact. Like, I don't know what their K's per nine are this year, but it's like, those are all very real things. And so we can look at each one of these things and go, that's it. It's the Yachty thing. It's the, you know, it's the Matt holiday thing. It's the, whatever, it's the shift band. It's all of them, man. It's all of them in in no small part. I think the shift band is actually a bigger part than others. um, Maybe have been talking about, but I do see it get talked about a little bit more now. Ryan says we might have to blow it up if it doesn't get better. Yes. Uh, Rob, it's underperformance from players holding down premium lineup spots to overmanaging, and when you compound those things with zero changes, the clubhouse will feel lifeless. And that's right. I had said move Arenado down, but he he had two hits tonight. So, you know, as a team, they got to be better with risk, but they've got everybody slumping at once, which makes it – it does make it difficult. I wish the Cardinals would uh, stop acting like a small market team and spend some money. That's Jason. Lack of starting pitching is ruining the team. Wainwright is not the savior on the field. I wonder, however, if it'll make a difference having him in the locker room. I say it will. They probably missed his presence to an extent. But it's hard. Just like with the Arenado thing, I was asked the other day, who is the leader in the clubhouse that's going to get vocal and and bang a table and make a speech? Like, well, the guy that's going to do the talking is Arenado, but he's playing terribly right now. He can't hit. And so how is that guy supposed to get up and, you know, turn over a table, and make a speech. It just looks like he's, you know, pouting at that point. You know, so it it was hard to imagine him being that vocal leader the way that he's capable of being in the throes of a a stretch where he's not performing. I think he's starting to perform and, and take better swings, take better ABs, and so maybe that helps. But on the pitching side, not having Wainwright, I think it's hurt him. But until he gets out there and performs, lead by example, I think that's what they need. They need Wainwright to be the stopper right now that's a lot to ask of Adam Wainwright but he's been he's been reading y'all's tweets and so he's juiced up to make it happen tomorrow God bless would it be fun to see him shove I mean that would be again your, your record is your record you'd be 11 and 23 you'd still be up shit's Creek so to speak but that would be big to get that guy to say all right Waino shoving we can get behind that they need something they can get behind right now so Jason I think you make a good point there uh, Robbie, don't you think they could have waited out the A's and gotten Sean Murphy? Seems like Cardinals jumped the gun by signing Contreras. This is a great question. This is a freaking phenomenal question. And I get in trouble. I get even other media people get mad at me if I'm going to talk about Christian Yelich. Didn't think I was going to say that name tonight, did you? But here's the deal. This is a great comparison. Do you remember that offseason when the Cardinals traded for Marcelo Zuna? They gave up Alcantara. They gave up Zach Gallon. It was the whole deal two aces, current fronts of rotation guys right now for the Marlins and Diamondbacks. And Gallen was worth Jazz Chisholm. He's the cover of MLB The Show. So those were legit dudes. Didn't know it at the time. But so what happened that offseason was Cardinals wanted Stanton, I believe, and he didn't want to come here. So then you go, all right, we want Yelich, And then they say, we're not trading Yelich. The so Marlins said, no, we're going to hold on to Yelich. And so if you're the Cardinals and you already had committed to getting an outfielder, and it's leaked out into the public that you're after Stanton and can't get him. Now you're like, "Well, crap. Now we have to get well, they're going to give us Ozuna. Well, he was good last year too." They settled for Ozuna, is my opinion. I don't have the transcripts, you know. That's going to be a different reporter and I I but I'm not going to not talk about it because it's really relevant to what the interest of fans is at this point. And so do I have all the information? No. Am I delving into speculation? Yes, but I'm going to admit that to you so you can take a ride with me, and if and if someone refutes it, that's fine. I also don't have to believe it. If it comes down to the Cardinals say, well, this guy wasn't available, so we had to. That's great. You can call a bluff. You can. They could have called a bluff. They could have called the bluff on the Marlins because guess what happened after they traded Ozuna? Well, we might as well trade Yelich. All right, you got played in that situation. If you wanted Yelich... You got played, period. All right? That's just, that is not revisionist history, nothing. That's just what it is if that's the way it went down. Now, it maybe wasn't exactly right. I might have some details wrong. You get the picture, though. The reason I bring it up is because the Cardinals knew this offseason they had to get a catcher. They told everybody they were going to. They said starting catcher is the thing we have to address. Maybe not a great position to bargain from when you tell everybody that. And so knowing, the A's knowing, like, hey, the Cardinals just lost Yachty. They've got to get a catcher. So we've got a catcher. We're going to trade. Let's ask him for the guys we want. That was reportedly Newt Bar and Donovan. Whether it was exactly that or not, I don't know. I didn't report it. I trust the guy who did. Derek Gould reported that. But at the same time, it's like, all right, could you call their bluff? Maybe. But when you go and sign Contreras instead, That changes the leverage, obviously, of the A's. So the Cardinals, effectively, for the team that ended up getting him, which was Atlanta, lowered the price by jumping in. But what do you risk if you don't do that? If you're the Cardinals and you say, Contreras is going to sign somewhere if we don't make a decision. You risk being on the wrong end of a game of chicken at that point. And this is a very risk-averse front office. So what did they do? They settled. Now... They really like Wilson Contreras. I think there's still a way for, again, we're a month into this thing. There's still a way for Wilson Contreras to absolutely end up panning out for the Cardinals. For sure. I mean, his numbers this year, I don't even know if his numbers are all that bad. Again, I haven't looked at it after tonight's game. He's hitting two eighty. one for five tonight. Trying to pull this up, OPS of seven eighty two. It's about what you'd expect, honestly. So, totally a way for Contreras in that deal to work out long term for the Cardinals. But what were the concerns about that deal when it when it was signed? That he wouldn't be able to catch enough, especially years three, year four, year five of, of a five year contract. That would have been the concern. Like, are you signing a halftime DH for twenty twenty five and six and seven? Because his bat in twenty twenty three to me is not the type of bet that you just throw in the DH spot every day and say that's good enough. Even though he's one of your better hitters, a lot of contending teams, if you go 780 is the OPS of our DH, it's like, eh, could I sign a slugger for that spot instead of a catcher? But you look at it and go, well, we can kill two birds with one stone. We can replace Albert because he was a big bat that we got to replace. And we can do it at catcher where we had a void last year. Wilson Contreras makes all the sense in the world. But Sean Murphy, who's a former gold glove catcher, and he's hitting well this year, and so maybe is he a better version? Is he a better handler of a pitching staff? Maybe. Like, yes. Robbie, the Cardinals could have waited out the A's and tried to get Sean Murphy. They also could have, in so doing, failed to get Contreras because he moves on in signs because he doesn't want to wait around, and then lost Sean Murphy because now the A's know you're even more desperate and you might have to give up Lars Neupahr to get him. Or you might have to give up even more than you thought. You might have to give up Mason Wynn. You might have to, you know what I'm saying? Like that, they didn't want to live in that Excuse me. They didn't want to live in that world and so they chose not to live in it. And they signed the Contreras contract. But we we don't have to pretend like it could have gone a different way and they may have ended up, uh, I got the hiccups, this is bad. They may have ended up better off for it or they may have ended up in a worse spot. But that that is a fascinating line of thought, and I appreciate you bringing it up. Rob says, "Pal, have you seen Nato's production out of the four hole the past month? Yeah, it's been terrible. I'm talking about like you've never. You're not going to see me say he's been good. I I said he's literally 10 minutes ago said he's the biggest problem with the Cardinals, him and having no number one in the rotation. But he was two for five tonight. I believe he's starting to come out of it. That's what I said. He has struggled." tremendously to begin this season. No question. I think I'm seeing some signs in his at-bats that he's coming out of it. The numbers don't bear that out yet. Tonight was maybe a nice step in that direction. We'll see. But if you look at the stats, pitching has been the greatest weakness. I think it's both. I think it's both. Pitching coach struggles. Again, that's another thing. When I was talking about all the new things, you know, no Yachty, no Albert, new bench coach, how about new pitching coach, new hitting coach? Those are two things. Now, those guys were both on staff. Dusty Blake and Turner Ward were here last year, but they're new to their roles. So all that turnover at once, that to me is more of the story than anything. It's like a lot of new was introduced, and we might have all taken it for granted that everybody had things under control, and maybe they didn't. And it's not to say that it couldn't have worked out if the players perform, but we found out right away what happens when adversity is is introduced, Right. They haven't been able to fix it. They haven't been quick to adjust as a team. Lineup is producing. The pitching is not. I would argue the lineup is not producing significantly enough. Consistently enough. It's, it's both. And the bullpen has become a problem now as well, which it wasn't at times previous. <coughs> and that's good from Laborer88. He heard the post game with Monty. He was not happy. That I would need to go back and watch. Because if Montgomery was... You know, if, if Montgomery said, Ollie, man, this guy's pulling me, that's ridiculous. I'm just reading this quote without being able to hear it. But he was asked if there was a way for him to stay in the game after getting through six on eighty-nine pitches. Quote, Ollie knows I want the ball. It's not my decision. I'm not gonna beg him to go out there. He knows I'm a competitor and will take every inning I can get. Yeah. All right. I think he I think he's a little bit a little bit upset. I can say from just reading that quote, and I'll watch the full video after I'm done here. Um that's a mistake, man. Yeah, I think that. I think that adds into it. Jordan Montgomery. I think. I don't know, man. You, first, you had the notion of, yeah, I would have signed a contract. They didn't offer me, and now it's almost the season, so we'll deal with that later. I'm not. I'm not worried about that now. Like, I think he's a little bit. I. I, I I'm not going to put words in his mouth, so I'm not going to do that. But he was a little perturbed. Seems a little perturbed. I'm not going to beg the manager to keep me in. Maybe he doesn't. You know, feel like. That maybe feels that's beneath him. Maybe he feels like he's you know a little newer to this team, and so that's not a spot to do that. Maybe it's just not his personality. He feels like, hey, my cards are always on the table. All he knows, is I want every inning I can get. So yeah, I mean that could be looked at as a misstep, and I've said that already tonight, right? I'm I'm going to give you both sides of it of what Ollie felt about it. Um, but like I said, I don't think I've once tonight said I would have. Yeah, I would have for sure brought in Hicks. And, and taking out Montgomery. I my lean was probably to do it, but like I said, I don't know if it's a it was a hundred percent decision for me at the time. And so I'm not gonna, you know, go back and and raise hell about it. It's all right. If you were sitting there going this is wrong, then you nailed it. And the manager didn't. And that's I, I totally get it. Uh Ryan says other markets can figure this out. Don't know what that means, Ryan, but you know, I, I see you're bitching. At B Shafer twelve, DM me, we can talk it out. I don't know what that comment means, though. It's it's out of contact. This is my problem. Uh, Cardinals are near the bottom of the league in runs per game. Yeah, no, no, no. don't. And for me, don't act like I am uh, one that subscribes to this offense has done enough. Absolutely not. The the inconsistency. I mean, they're nineteenth, twentieth in runs per game. Maybe worse than that. It's been rough. Monty has been our one good starter this year. I'd give him more leeway than the others. Just my opinion. And Ryan's right about that. You have to kind of know your guys, who should get leeway, who shouldn't, and what's the state of your bullpen at the time. And right now, I could I would say the bullpen state is not great, but maybe they didn't view it that way. People should get the MLB package and use this year to watch teams like San Diego and Tampa. Yeah, I have it. Ollie is worse than Matheny. I don't agree with that, um, but I know that a lot of people don't agree with me, so... Uh, let's see, even Matheny's teams were never this low, and the club is immensely more talented. Yeah, I think in some ways it is. Um, But again, Matheny did always have Yachty to lean on, and I don't know that you can just paint it all on Yachty, but I never saw Mike Matheny have to manage without him. And I also have seen behind the scenes of both managers, and it's fine. If you think Matheny's better, that's fine. We don't have anything to talk about, though, with each other if that's how you feel. Not to say we don't have anything in general to talk about, but on that topic, it's not worth debating. Uh, you're, Mike says someone's reporting Monty throwing hard shame at Ollie in his first question asked, um, but I, the guy you tagged I don't think is a reporter at the ballpark, so I don't know what that is. Uh, Jason says Ollie is not worse than Matheny. Agree. Uh, Asher is saying that Monty said something in his postgame, which I doubt he actually said. So we're going off the rails a little bit here. What's the point of saving the arm of a free agent to be in the lost season? Uh, that part I agree with. I don't think there would be a point of, yeah, you got to save his arm. I think you'd do anything to get the outs in that spot. It's not about saving Monty's arm. He's not going to be back next year anyway. So I agree with that. Is the season the price the devil, of whatever devil magic it took to get Albert to 703 last year? Tyler... My answer is maybe. Like, it might just be that simple. It might just be that simple. A lot of talking to each other. Greg says it's impossible to dig out of the hole. Um, But, you know, it's starting to feel that way. I don't know if it's entirely impossible. Jason asks if the Bally bankruptcy keeps the Cardinals from spending or is it just uh, kind of the cheap way that is the Cardinal way. I don't think the Bally really... It developed so late in the process, and listening to the way DeWitt talked about it at, in January at the winter warm-up, I don't think it had any impact on their spending this offseason. I think they were just going to not pursue the positions that a lot of people said spend big on. But again, you can look at some of those those guys like Carlos Rodon. He's out, man. He's getting a cortisone injection. That was 160 mil that the Yankees are having to deal with. So I get the risk in some of that. Uh, what offensive upside do I see promising? Not Arna- Arenado, but who's another weapon I see coming into the fold? Jordan freaking Walker, hopefully. But it's it, you can't put put the, the the weight of the franchise on a 21 year old. So, but I mean that would be an answer. Nolan Gorman consistently. I'd like to see more DC, but I think DC might just be what he is, which I think is a guy that should play center every day. But you're right. But that's the thing. Like if that's the way we're gonna look at this lineup and so they've got some good pieces but they don't quite have enough then why are we saying oh they're so talented how could Ali possibly have a losing record with them 10 and 23 it shouldn't be but i think this team has played about you know 14 and 19 baseball but the the sky wouldn't be falling if they were 14 and 19 it's rightfully falling at 10 and 23 how can you see monty breeze through 11 of the final 13 89 pitches and think it's time to take him out serious question overmanaging yeah i think he did overmanage rob Um, no, I, I would agree with the assessment. Like I said, I don't think it would have been the move I would have made, but it's hard for me to bang the table right now because as it was happening, and maybe this was just a product of me doing some different things at home. If I were at the game, I might've been more locked in on it, but as it's happening, it's like, you just kind of let it unfold. But the difference is I'm multitasking with an eight month old at home. All the marbles in the dugout. He should know what's unfolding. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying not to revisionist history, my own take and be, because to me, then I'm lying to you and saying, I said it in the moment. No, believe me. When I say something in the moment, I'm going to let you know about it because I'll be as braggadocious as the next guy when I get one right. But this one, I wasn't like, how could you take him out? But, but I also wasn't like, oh, great move going to Hicks. Like it wasn't, it wasn't one of those deals. Connor asked, does anyone feel like the cards could be tipping pitches or something? Uh just seems like everything comes 10 times easier for their opponents. What I think is interesting, Connor, is I don't think that's an obvious thing potentially. Um, and, and Ryan says it's less of an issue with pitch com, which I think is probably right. Uh, and Ryan, thanks for being number 70 there. But I also kind of just would say, I mean, you look at the pitches they're hitting sometimes. They're hitting some bad pitches. And like tonight, Javi Baez, homers. I don't know how you give up a homer to Javi Baez in 2023. That dude, if you you could throw the ball off the dirt every time and you'll still strike him out. So I don't know if that's a, a, a tipping pitches thing. But I understand the question. Isolating this game, my only gripe was Mar- Marmol not stepping up on Carlson's at bat. Otherwise, this was a team that literally should have won that game multiple times. That's from Icta. Uh, I agree with that. All he should have been run... Uh, honestly, you should have been run on Arenado's at bat. Carlson was the last at bat. He should have he should have been run before that. If I if Ollie thought he looked worn down in the sixth, lol, that's embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it was. Uh, I you heard what he said after the game. He said they were seeing some swings that they didn't like. And Schaefer is soft. Thank you, Jamaica, for watching. Appreciate you. Imagine Ollie tried challenging a play that wasn't reviewable. Ollie wasn't on the field Asher Ollie was in the in the clubhouse because he got ejected as you know Ryan says I will talk to you about the process it isn't good and yeah I mean eventually they're gonna have to win games otherwise the process is clearly uh problematic and again Asher says that Ollie didn't know the rules of the game Ollie was not on the field Ollie was not eligible to be so that's not accurate uh, didn't pay that close attention, but didn't see anything to throw a fit about tonight. Just a bad baseball team. That's from another Ryan, which is a, a pretty calm and defeated way to describe the the things that are going on. Caleb says, uh, every year a team turns around a dreadful start. Not as rare as some think. Still believe they make the postseason if it sounds dumb. Yeah, I said earlier this week that they make the postseason. If they don't win tomorrow, I'll say they don't make the playoffs. Like, and again, that can change as time goes on. If they go on a bit of a run. But if they don't beat Spencer Turnbull tomorrow, this is not a playoff team. So you can quote me on that. Again, I'll put myself out there when I think it's time to do it. And, uh, yeah. Jacob says, I don't want him fired because of tonight, but because of 10-23, and which is understandable. I think after a Wainwright start, if they don't beat Spencer Turnbull, if you're going to fire him this month, it might just be right after that. I still don't think they should. I understand why you all do. Um, and you ask Mike, how can you defend a manager that has lost respect of his own players? I don't know who, which player has, has come out and said I don't respect him, which isn't to say that publicly or privately they don't respect him, but, like, I, I just don't know that there's a lot of veracity there to be able to look at that and say, yes, here's the smoking gun for that. Asher says, be chef. I want him fired for the 23 games he's lost, and I get it. I get it. There's a lot of people that feel that way. You want me to say uh, I lose credibility? Asher, you're still here. Like, if you don't, if you think I have no credibility, that's fine. We're going to keep doing what we do over here, though. Appreciate you. Robbie says, Brendan, I agree with you that they will be back in the race by the end of the year, but miss the playoffs and we'll look back on this and saying they should have fixed it earlier. Yeah, it could be, like I said, if you lose tomorrow, which again, the math problem is already against them at this point, but it's one of those deals where. Like, you could, you could see this team turning it around and then just playing at, a, like, a 95-win pace the rest of the year. But what does that get you, 83 wins, 84? That's not going to make a wild card. So the problem is time is not on their side. They have to, they have to turn it around yesterday, right? And they, they haven't to this point. That's what's tough, Robbie. Allison says, I don't remember a season like this. Do I think social media plays a larger role with people getting upset with management? Yes, I do. People will deny that it does, but it does play a larger role. People can always be upset. But now the fact that y'all are able to go on and find like-minded people that you don't even know, strangers, and form that hive mind, absolutely, it, it it intensifies it times 10, probably times 100, which is not to say it's wrong. I'm not saying what a lot of what y'all are saying is wrong, but I do think that's a reality of social media, Allison. Austin, original one might have gotten buried, and I'm sorry for that, Austin. How mentally taxing is it on the offense step to, to come to the ballpark every night feeling like you got to get seven or eight runs? I say very, and... I I said that the other day and got blistered by somebody on Twitter who told me I was so soft for saying that, you know, for Steven Matz giving up four runs in the first inning, that's not an excuse. They should be able to score, you know, seven runs. Fine. Argue with me about human nature if you want. But those guys have got to be sick and freaking tired of having to do it every night, knowing that they could score runs and it still won't be enough. And then on the days where their pitching helps them out, the pitchers are like, you got to be kidding me. We, We gave up two and we couldn't score two. Like, it's the it's not good vibes and they're not able to kind of cohesively put it together right now that's a problem babe says why keep him he's a diamond dozen we need a spark yep there will come a point where they have to make a decision like that there will come that kind of point i'm of the opinion that mozella's fate should be attached with marmol if Marmel has to go mo has to as well especially with quote we have six starters yeah mo the arrows should all go to mo if they fire him and hunter is bringing up the uh, Matheny pitching changes and ask him what he should do even when he was hurt. Yep. Fangraphs right now says 79 wins according to Ryan F. That's not great. No it's not. What is this up down garbage? I don't know what that means. And yes, Twitter is literally an existence for people to vent. Ryan says don't blame me for thinking that ironically it's analytics that make me think we're done. Yeah, I mean the analytics don't aren't friendly to the Cardinals either. Um the team feels low, Rob says. They they do feel low. And they have the pieces to turn around, but they do feel low. The vibes are wrong. And like vibes are hard to quantify, but y'all know what I mean when I say that. And if you watch the games, you can kind of feel that too. Luke says Schultz deserved better. He probably did. Ryan F. says that Schultz deserved to stay. Was sad he didn't get to finish where he started to build. And Schultz, man, he loved it. He bled this stuff. He was a Cardinal Lifer. That was hard to watch. It was uncomfortable for me to watch too, because I liked Ollie Marmol as the bench coach. I I liked Ollie. And I like Ollie now, but it was hard to see that for Schilt because I think he he did kind of get dirty or done dirty. And think about it this way: if those philosophical differences at all were related to roster and the fact that he wanted more and they weren't given more, look at this now. I mean, who could argue that the against the notion that the Cardinals needed more? They did. They needed the front office to do more this offseason, and it didn't happen because clearly, you know, they're a little bit off the pace right now. Uh, J Rose excited for where this goes. I do need some help on the, uh, the chat banter. Yeah. You guys just, can you type in a different color or something? Is that possible? Um, who cares if the next hire is right? If Ollie, isn't the guy better to get rid of him and try again. I agree. But eventually you got to be like, not to say I agree with firing him, but I agree with if he's not right, don't stick around because you're worried about the next one being wrong. But Mo has consistently been the one to make these moves. And it may be that that they hired Schilt and that was the right guy, but then they fired him and, and doing so prematurely was wrong. We, I don't know. I'd be very curious to see what this team would be doing under Schilt, but I don't think Schilt is a better manager than Ollie automatically. I think it's a different dynamic. I think, again, I can go back to the fact that we maybe underestimated the degree to which Mike Schilt, or pardon me, Ollie Marmel was going to have to manage a completely new situation this year, even though most of the roster looks similar. All different coaching staff... Two biggest veteran leaders gone. Shift ban that really impacts the starting pitching staff in ways that wasn't totally understood at this point. I think that's interesting. Uh, Janelle, I haven't caught it from Monty yet, but I'm I'm excited to watch it after this. And we're almost at two hours, so we are going to gonna relax it and, and end it here soon. Jason said DEFCON 3 if they get swept by the Tigers. Oh, hell no. Season's done because they'd be 15 under. Yep. Yep. And that's why I was like, uh, DEFCON 3 was about a week and a half ago for me. That was before the West Coast swing. I said on KTGR I was a 3 at that point. Uh, Jeremy knows how to fix it. Taylor Motter, everyday player. Hashtag everyday Taylor. We'll see. I am still team everyday Dylan, though. Making some nice plays in center field. Tigers have 14 wins, 8 against the NL, so they're 6-16 six and 16 in the AL. That's a fun stat. You know it's bad when the uh, play-by-play guy takes the day off. No, that was planned in advance, and I thought Tom Ackerman did a wonderful job. I'm glad that Tom gets the opportunity to uh, to call some games on TV this week for sure. Um, and then I'm seeing kind of a lot of uh, they stopped cutting the arch in the grass. That's the problem. Daniel asks, if they finish well below 500. i I'm good with keeping Marmalon on for next year? No, absolutely not. And, Daniel, I know you had asked the question earlier that I that I sort of said, you know, DM me about. But, no, I never said that. If they if they lose 85 games, I think you need to probably clear house. I'm talking about everybody. Everybody. Like, this shouldn't be a losing season. And I don't know what the justification for it would be. Like, Mo has come on in recent years that haven't ended in a World Series, which is what all Cardinals fans want. And he has said things that make people upset in the offseason about, you know, why things went wrong, bad luck, whatever you might say. And people absolutely don't like to hear that. You can't say it to them after a legit losing season. Last time the Cardinals had a losing season, they fired Walt Jockety. He'd won World Series. He did it the year before. They fired him after 07. They put Moselech in. They haven't had a losing season since. I'd say if there's another losing season, run. you better run that back. They're not going to fire Mo, but they'll say he has accepted a, you know, he has transitioned into blah blah blah, whatever it is. But that's what they would need. You cannot have a losing season with this team. It's unacceptable with this roster and and with the expectations that were upon it. And so once again, Daniel, you asked the same question. I know I'm just now getting to it. If so, and like, and maybe this was a question not toward me, and that's what I is <laughs> tough because if you're talking to J. Rowe or somebody else, I won't be able to understand that. If they finish 65 and 97 or 70 and 92, would you be good keeping keep Ollie as a manager? If you're asking me, no, he can't keep his job. Need, but, me, but it's because the new GM has to hire a manager. That would be the reason at that point. Excuse me. I know that was probably sexy. We're about to wrap things up here, though. I appreciate the passion. I appreciate y'all being here. Here's my thing, says Jeremy. Uh, They said they would use him not high leverage, and it worked for three outings, and then boom, back to leverage, and then he's back to where he has struggled, talking about Jordan Hicks. Uh, He's an innings eater out of the pen, not a high leverage spot guy. He's been used as the latter, and he's been awful. Yeah, the Cardinals have historically, no matter whether it's been Schilt or Ollie, they have not been able to use an elite reliever as an innings eater because i think it i think that like the way they think about bullpens that's not modern enough because there are teams that will throw a guy for two or three innings and then that just means you know he's all, you can't use him for a few days the remnants of like old-timey bullpen usage of you know it's not to say they have a a long man that only goes for map up but they still kind of have that even if they use him differently so i don't think they have like the new age mindset enough to go yeah We can use a guy for multiple innings or whatever. But here's the thing. If you're using a Jordan Hicks for multiple innings after a starter goes six, like, that would still be leverage. And so, who do you use in that spot? It's Monty. I know that's your answer. But, like, the only – historically, the only baseball relievers – I'm talking, like, last 5, 10, 15 years in baseball, not back to, like, the 70s. But, like, the long relievers, the guys that eat innings in the bullpen – they're in because your starter didn't go deep or you're up by a ton and it doesn't matter. That's not a valuable role. They you're not reserving a role for that guy unless it's Chris Stratton. Like they've already got a Chris Stratton. They're not going to have the guy who throws 103 in the Chris Stratton role. They're going to have that guy pitch when it matters. Hicks not being able to do it is not anybody's fault but Hicks if he can't do it. Why did the Phillies take off last year? Firing the manager doesn't do anything. I didn't say firing the manager doesn't do anything. Um, it wasn't Girardi making errors in the field last season. And, yeah, but Girardi had been around there for a little while. Uh, Ollie's pretty new. That's what makes this kind of crazy. And, Ryan, if you think Mizzou fans can't talk, bro, I just don't have – I'm not going to i am not going to put the user in timeout, but that's a cheap shot. Um, nobody would have questioned leaving Monty in with 89 after the way he was going, five straight scoreless. Everyone would have understood that call. Ollie went against the tide to put Hicks in. I think that's probably fair as well. Like again, I wasn't. It wasn't the move. I would say was just automatically should have happened. So I feel you there. We've been getting some buried comments, I think, but we're over two hours, so I'm going to call it here. Uh, I'm going to scroll to the bottom. We ask for patience. One and eight cents. Yeah, that was a misstep. I said it at the time. Mode to say we ask for patience was not. Didn't sound good, and it looks even worse now. For Hagen and Mats make a fourteen year, uh, fourteen mil a year combined is a fleece job by their agents. Well, Mats is certainly making good money. Yep. I hear that. I hear that. Feel like there's been pressure from the offense for the offense from the get go. With the constant outfield competition, a lot of pressure. Yeah, Drew. Pressure makes diamonds, but I guess when when the when it doesn't turn into diamonds, it just kind of turns into dust. And that's kind of where the offense is right now. STL is cursed. The Blues, the Cardinals. I don't know what Anheuser has to do with it. Um, STL City's doing well. so That's good. Visual, visual tedium. Something has to change. You need to do something different. Go to Hicks instead of giving Zuniga a shot. Makes sense. Yeah, on Zuniga, that's interesting because after his first outing, I think it was John Denton that said, would he get some more looks and leverage? And... I always said, we like the guys we have in leverage. Yeah, he'll get ramped up. But it, the answer told me, no, he's not going to immediately vault into being a leverage guy, talking about Guillermo Zuniga. And that maybe is a misstep. They weren't ready to trust him yet. Maybe he would have been a guy tonight to take that Hicks spot. That's a fair question. But they, they trusted Hicks, and that was wrong because it didn't work out. Now, can they keep trusting Hicks there? I don't think they can at this point. There's enough. Now that you've had two or three in a row that have gone bad again, I think that's fair to be able to say, hey, maybe there's something to that. Maybe there's something to that being a problem. Um, Dusty Blake, not the issue as much as Mo. Pitch to contact staff. Construction might not work well in this new era. Exactly right. That's the issue that I think you should circle, especially with the shift band now. Definitely a problem. All right, guys, we're over two hours. I've got to wake up in like less than four, so I'm going to call it here. I appreciate you guys so much for sticking with me. If you disagree with some of what I said, I get that as well. We're not always going to see eye to eye. I'm at B-Shape for 12, though, to continue the conversation. Not during a live video. I'm always willing to do it. If you appreciate the content, uh, please subscribe here on YouTube. Like the stream before you go. And uh, check it out if you want to rewatch it tomorrow. You can listen as well on Spotify. I'll post it on the B-Shape Daily podcast feed. Thank you guys so much for listening for watching for commenting and for subscribing. We'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily Live. Peace.